Hey, everybody, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. Sitting right next to me is Jenny. Hello. And 116 miles to our southwest, it's Megan. Hello. Hello. So much stuff to get into today, but before we do, we start with how we start every week with Leela barking and the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. This week. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Megan. No, Leela's just so excited to be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> we're, excited, we're, excited, we're excited for her to be part of it. <laughs> this week, I had quite a decision to make for our Elite Beat Pop of the Week because. I treated myself and bought myself a Christmas present, mm-hmm. which was a case of champagne. Yes. That bottle, from what I can see, just the top of that bottle looks fancy that you got there. This one's not very fancy. This one you've had before. This one oh, was a okay. good one. Okay. Um, so we, we reached out to Six Wine 4 and asked if they could curate a case of sparkling wine and champagne for us. And boy, did they come through. And we not only got 12 bottles, we got 13 bottles. And one of them was a Magnum because... So really, 14 bottles. Really 14 bottles because Connor over at Six Wine Four overachieves. That's right. That's a baker's dozen. Yeah, it is a baker's dozen of champagne. brought you beer? Yeah, he brought me me two Chimay's and uh, and then like a big uh, like rock mill Mm -hmm. thing that he said was like basically uh, the bubbles of beer. Ooh. I'm really... I'm not. Yeah. Watch out, Miller, the champagne of beers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just really excited. I had a lot of fun on my Instagram today creating a little video. I, I lined all the bottles up, took a video, and then uh, paired it to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas and added a snow effect. Man, she is making a killing off that song, just FYI. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going to do it for the Elite Beat so that all of our listeners could see it, but um, for some reason, the filtering is different on my Instagram account versus the Elite Beat's Instagram account, even though I manage both of them, and so I wasn't able to find a snow effect to do this for, and I thought just putting champagne with All I Want for Christmas wouldn't really work as well. Yeah, I mean, like, what are we even doing at that point? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was I was pretty proud of myself. But um, this might not, we actually opened this just a little bit earlier. We have a second one in the fridge, so we might do a second pop later in case the listeners, like, feel no, slighted. That's not why we'd be doing it. We'd be doing it because we want to drink more. Also, it's a we holiday bash. Listeners. <laughs> it's a holiday bash. It's a holiday bash. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Mirabelle, and Megan, you and I have had Mirabelle several times. It's delicious. This is actually the Brute, not the Rosé. I had never had the Brute before. Oh, yeah. And it is just as good. Have you had the Brute before? No, I've only ever had it when I drank it with you, so. Yeah, I was really excited to see this, so let's see if I can get any noise. Okay. That was, that was convincingly right? very champagne-y. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm happy with that. Hope the listeners are as well. Yeah. All right, Megan. What about you this Christmas week? 
Well, I wanted to go and get bubbly, but I didn't in time. And there wouldn't have been time to send my sister out to go get it for me and have it be cold. So instead, I'm turning to Wink Wines, wink.com. Um, this has nothing to do with the holiday or uh, wrestling. I, I, My most tenuous connection for this one is that the label is red and white, which is one color away from being, like, Christmassy. <laughs> um, but it is called Tariga Nacional... And it is via the Portuguese Republic. It's far and wide. Uh, the varietal is far and wide. But I'm pretty sure it's just like... It's red. <laughs> I'm going to say that. It's red. Um, okay. It's Portugal's favored red. Light in body with bright red fruits and a floral finish. It's a quintessential expression of the region's aromatic great. So that's fun. That's cool. All right. But yeah, um, so here we go. As usual, I'm going to not promise anything because it's probably going to be a weak, sad red cork. Here we go. That was really good, Megan. Thank you. I feel like I also hit my desk, but this this old wine key that is not very um, firm, I'm doing my best with it. So here we go. All right. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Whatever you celebrate. I think Hanukkah is long over. I think so. It was a weird November Hanukkah this year, apparently. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about ratings because we're back in the groove of doing that. AEW Rampage last Friday night. 571,000 viewers and a .23 in the uh, demo. It was its highest 18 to 49 since October 26th and its highest overall viewers since November 5th. So I don't know exactly what the, uh, what the key was, but it was good enough uh, to be number seven for the night on cable. Wow. Yeah. Do you think maybe with the new variant, people are staying home again? Maybe. Perhaps. No. Was know. there a lack of other sports on to conflict with it? Uh, no, most of the most of the things ahead of it were sports, in fact. Oh, okay. No. So, yeah, like the the first and the the number one and two were NBA games, for instance. Hmm. Okay. So that's good news for Rampage, which has been uh, lagging in the ratings for a while now. And let's talk about Dynamite. Last night's show. Holiday Bash. Holiday Bash. 1,020,000 viewers. Oh, dang. And 480,000 viewers in 18 to 49, which is good for a .37. They finished second for the evening on cable. Uh, behind only, I believe it was a uh, like a college football bowl game. Oh, I thought it was going to be a housewives or a challenge. <laughs> no, no, they. Uh, I don't. You know what? I don't know. That I think the challenge finale was last week. Mm. So I think I think that wasn't on. So let's let me look here. Okay. Uh, yeah, Real Housewives was down to number six for the night. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, AEW uh, doing really well. 
in the in their in their demo. You know, 0.37. That's really that's a really strong number. Uh, best demo number in a couple months. Best overall viewership number in a couple months. So, uh, nice. yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it might maybe like a knock-on effect of like people just curious about the big uh, the big hour-long match last week, or or maybe because because honestly, well, actually, you know what? The main event for this show was actually pretty pretty oh, star-studded. I had fun with it. I will say that. Yeah, and like on paper too, it's like you, you you know you see CM Punk, Sting, and Darby. That's just like a that's the fun-sounding six-man tag team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I mean, we'll get to it, but I thought the holiday bash night one overall was just very enjoyable and fun to watch. Like I thought it was a good show top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what wasn't very fun? No. Guys. Was. I, oh, okay. I, I thought, I thought you said I was interested. Um, we were watching the beginning of the Nyla Rose and... Oh, God. Ruby Soho match. And I see this sign. And I think it says. Nyla Rose is Nyla this Rose guy's is dad. That guy's dad. With an arrow. Yeah. Nyla Rose is that guy's dad. And I was horrified by it. And I asked Andy, I was like, did you just see that sign? And he had been um, on his phone at far the entrance and hadn't seen it. So we rewound it to make sure that, like, that I had read it correctly because I was just horrified that someone would bring a sign like that. And it was, in fact, some horrible transphobic person brought this terrible sign and Nyla Rose was looking directly at it as, like, it was just horrifying. I am sure that's not the worst thing that's ever been said or presented to her um but also like i'm a little surprised that they let that get into the arena because it's so very obviously mean spirited like unless there's an inside joke or something i'm missing that just seems shitty and and like that guy needed to get his his super cool message out and they could have just like stopped that before he even got in well i think i think he uh, he was holding up he held up various signs throughout the night and so I think he had like poster board and a Sharpie. I think, no. I think he was, I think he was making signs on the fly. So wait, they, do they check your signs when you walk in the building? No idea. Oh, okay. I was just going off the, I thought WWE did at times check and remove signs. Yeah. Before. I, I mean, they they certainly remove signs. Um, if they don't like what's, what's on them. Um, this man I, I watched cause I was just waiting for, he didn't hold up the sign for the whole match. He put it down, but he sat there through the whole match. And I just kept like waiting for security to like come and escort him and his horrible sign out of the building. And I think they did that over the commercial break after the match had ended because I no longer saw him for the rest of the match. Oh, good. Get the hell out of there. Also, I remember seeing that and thinking like, haven't we progressed as a people? And then I was like, Oh, we're in North Carolina. Mm. Maybe not in this area, <laughs> you know, like, unfortunately, maybe some of their venues, like now that we are back and at touring, the the reality of like, oh, no, um, there are different areas with very differing opinions on um, basic human things that that now you have to like weirdly confront. 
because you're on the road. <laughs> you don't have your cool hometown crowd. Yeah, I mean, I hope this isn't indicative of how people in that town or, or region feel. I'm I'm hoping this is just this one individual because it's it's really sad if it's if it's not. And I mean, it is sad if even if it is just this one man. Like it's just the, not the completely dead expression in his eyes as he held that sign up. I just remember thinking, like, wow, you've really got like nothing going on in your life, huh? Like. It's just, it's just like, I need to get this message out. Okay. Okay, sir. Goodbye. Um, you know, you hate to give people like that oxygen. So, uh, fuck that guy. And, you know, I think Nyla Rose um, showed him with the match because it was pretty fun to watch. Pretty good. And also, like, just fuck that guy. Yeah, and uh, so... At some point during the evening, I'm guessing during that very match, uh, Nyla Rose's wife uh, tweeted at AEW's head of security. <gasps> oh, uh, alerting fuck him yes. And, uh, and the man was removed from the building. Good. Good. I mean, this is, you know, this is coming, like, just a few weeks after Anthony Bowens had to endure homophobic slurs at another uh, live events. Was that so. what he got into that person's face about? Because I remember seeing, um, and I don't know that we talked about it, but I did wrote it, write it down, even if we didn't bring it up. But he seemed like he got into a yelling match with somebody on the sidelines at one of the shows. Um, and had like Max Caster even came over and like kind of redirected him. And I figured if anything came of that, it would have come up in our news segment, but um, it didn't. So Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think I think he. Yeah. Man, come on, people! Can we just like be normal and human and, uh, I don't know, modern <laughs> and civil? I, I don't. It's horrible. It's horrible that this is still a thing, and it's horrible that even people who are like elevated to this level of like being on TV and our stars that they still have to put up with it. So that should be a, a good signifier of people who are not privileged and famous, what they have to go through. But like it is 2021, almost 2022 get over it and let people live their, their lives it's, and stop being dicks. Everybody just stop being dicks for like a minute. It feels so much better if you're not, you know, yeah, very sad situation. Uh, we have a follow-up to something that you guys asked about last week uh, that there has been no follow-up on at that time, but there was today, actually. Jack Evans tweeted out the words, they tried again. Uh, oh, God. <clears throat> God, it's a please conspiracy. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Jack uh, Evans. He, Evidently, he posted a video on Twitter of an altercation with the police in Mexico. Uh, if you don't remember, on December 8th, he tweeted that he has had to pay uh, 7,000 pesos to police and that if he got arrested on drug charges, he wanted to be known that the drugs were planted by the Del Valle Police Department. Um, so in the video, Evans is speaking Spanish, but uh, thankfully... Someone from WrestlingNews.co uh, translated. 
he says, again, the police are here to extort. I will not pay you anything. Leave me in peace. Leave me in peace. This is ridiculous. Police corruption. Leave me in peace. Uh, a woman is heard speaking, and Evan says he can't call the police because these are the police. So, yeah. I think it sounds to me like Jack needs to get out of Mexico. Uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say Jack, please get out of Mexico. <laughs> yes, or at least or at least move to I don't know, move away from that city. <laughs> yes, if if this I, is I know that's be. easier said than done, but you know. Well, you you'd hope that as a member of this um, company, he would have friends or some level of support system where he could crash on somebody's couch if he could get out of mexico like i don't know that's so weird it was pretty weird uh and the last bit of news that i want to talk about is uh something that came up on this morning's edition of wrestling observer radio as dave Meltzer uh said as more time goes on I have this feeling that Gargano will debut in Cleveland, uh, which would be the January 22nd episode of Dynamite. Didn't uh, everyone have that feeling? No, a lot of people think he's staying in WWE. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I uh, thought he hadn't signed again. He hadn't. Uh, but a lot of people just think he was wanting to take a break. But hmm. yeah. Uh, Dave also said, I don't know 100% that he's going. But if you watched him on Twitch, he talked about wanting to wrestle Kenny Omega and things like that. Just things he has said both publicly and privately. I know he's heavily considering going, put it that way. And if you really think about what makes sense for him as well, the only real argument for Gargano staying is he's got a kid coming and his wife works for WWE. And, and you know, if he's still working for NXT, it's he's got like a 15-minute commute to, to, to work every week. And uh, and that's probably pretty appealing. True. Now, because his contract expired, he doesn't have any sort of 30, 60, 90 no. day. Just, okay. like, just, just like Cool Kyle. He could show up whenever he wants. Oh, we'll get to Cool Kyle. Um, that's interesting. I think he wants to play with his friends. Yeah, I would think so. But, you know, I would have thought that of Kevin Owens, too. And that wasn't the case. So you never know. I don't, although I don't although think Kevin, Owens, Kevin Owens signed a contract extension like well in advance of his deal expiring, and obviously Johnny didn't, so that's a big difference there. Well, I don't think they're offering Johnny like in the millions. No, but but I'm saying, yeah, Owens, no, Owens I, clearly was is happy where he is because he you know he didn't even wait to be out of contract to negotiate publicly with you know or openly with AEW. Yeah, I'm sure that people went back and forth as go-betweens behind the scenes, but, you know. Yeah, I just think money was probably like a helping factor with with Kevin Owens. And that's not a bad thing. It's just uh, I don't think they're throwing the same amount of money Johnny's way as like a negotiating tactic. So I don't know that it's as enticing. I hope they don't punish Candice if Johnny does... um, start wrestling somewhere else but you know that seems to be their method what does she do february okay which is why i think that 
I don't see the, I don't see the Cleveland date being a good fit for him because he's going to want to take time off after the baby comes. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to take time off right after you show up. Well, they could, I mean, sometimes they just do a bunch of promos so they can just record promos and play them. Like after he makes his big live debut, then do. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's like a couple weeks of promo. I mean, he's, you know, who knows how long he wants to take off, but yeah. you could play it like that. Perhaps. All right. Let's get into Rampage. Heck yeah. This is the show uh, from Garland, Texas. Got Excalibur, Taz, and Ricky Starks on the call. And we start off with the party match of the evening. As the Young Bucks, Adam Cole, and Bobby Fish took on Orange Cassidy, Rocky Romero, Chuck Taylor, and Trent Beretta. Uh, What can be said? It was a party match. It was was just... uh, it was a crazy spot fest, and and uh, Trent Beretta finished uh, Bobby Fish with a strong zero. Yeah, I would I would I would watch this match if I if I if you have this on your DVR, I would say watch this match. Fun, fun, large tag match, and uh, it's good to see Trent back. We missed him. It is good to see Trent back. <laughs> now. Unfortunately, due to uh, due to a little bit of a family emergency, uh, this was where my watching of the show ceased, and I never picked up again. Oh no! But I can tell you that Dan Lambert and the Men of the Year cut a promo. Yes, they did. Can you tell us what that promo was about? Oh gosh, uh, I'm going con- to conflate it with the the Rampage one, honestly, but. I mean, Dan Lambert's back. Um, he's representing Scorpio and Ethan Page because, of course, he is. He didn't have his posse with him. I think American Top Team's maybe not going to be around as much. Um, but, yeah, he did his old man, like, screaming gig. Um, he's here to advocate for Scorpio and Ethan Page is what I remember of that. Okay. I hear that uh, that uh, they were busting on Cody and Cody uh, interrupted. Oh, shit, yes. That did happen. Guys, Rampage was a while ago. (laughs) So Cody came down, and this led to them attacking Cody, which led to Dustin trying to make the save, but but he got cut off too, and then Sammy Guevara finally made the final save, and he and Cody had a little bit of a standoff as as they're wrestling uh, Christmas night. Yes, but they did the standoff in that way that was like, we are clearly two good people. This will be a match of um, goodness and rule following. You know? Yeah. Uh, That takes us to what was a submission match contested between Ty Conchi and Penelope Ford. Mm -hmm. And uh, evidently, Ty Conchi won. She of course did. she did. She's the judo black belt. Yeah, it would be kind of sad if she didn't. Um, I think this match was perhaps slightly messy. Um, but, you know, I thought it was nice of them to give, like, the ladies something different. A, a theme match for the ladies, maybe, you know? 
And uh, I did expect Ty to win, so I was not surprised when she did because um, I don't think Penelope Ford is good enough to beat a a black belt in submissions. She only has one submission, so. (laughs) It's true, but she was so confident in that one. (laughs) Now, according to this uh, recap I'm reading, courtesy of Scott Keith at blogofdoom.com, after the match, uh, the bunny knocked out Ty with the brass knuckles again. Yep. Yep, she did. So... I, I would like them to move on from this feud and this uh <laughs> this thing that keeps happening over and over again. I fear they never will because there's such a limited amount of women in their roster that they are willing to do things with. <laughs> and, and this group is stuck together like glue. And then uh, the main event, which I'm sad that I missed because this sounds pretty awesome. Eddie Kingston, the Lucha Brothers, and Santana Ortiz versus 2.0, Daniel Garcia, and the Acclaimed with a shocking finish as Daniel Garcia rolled up and pinned Eddie Kingston. Yes, it was a good match. The roll-up and pin was kind of weird because they almost played it like... um, Like, Eddie was obviously shocked, as anyone who gets pinned seems to be. Um, But the count and the way they filmed it seemed weird, almost like it was a mistake. Mm -hmm. Except I don't think it was because what happened next, like, after the match made sense for eddie to lose but like it almost seemed like he wasn't ready for the pin to happen like it i don't know it just maybe it's just me but it felt like an awkward ending but also like it ended up the way it was supposed to weirdly was bryce the referee yes yes so could have just been a mistake wow that hurts me wow was it a match featuring orange cassidy or eddie kingston and the answer is yes, Bryce was the referee. Yeah, well, he has to hang out with his buds. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So that was Rampage. Yeah. Well, okay. after that, does it say what happened after that match? Because um, there was a little uh, a little coda there where Eddie was mad, but then Jurassic Express rolled up. And uh, because, you know, 2.0 and Dan- uh, yes, Daniel Garcia started beating up. Because they can't just win and leave. They have to, like, be mean. And then Jurassic Express rolled in to, to help out. Um, but also Jurassic Express had a moment. Jungle Boy picked up the tag team titles. And uh, well, you, you shouldn't do that. That's not, that's not, that's not his. Well, he, he looked at them and was like, oh, these are pretty. And then he looked at the Lucha Brothers and like, they do belong to you, I suppose. And he handed them over without issue. But, like... Penta and Wright were like, could have been faster, you handing those over to us. Could have happened a little faster. That's all could have been hotter. Still a 50,000 <laughs> euro fine for touching someone else's property. It's true. You don't want to move it even an inch. You can touch the front wing. Maybe only 25,000. <laughs> Seb? a little fun f1 humor for everyone all the five people that also have that or live in that venn diagram (laughs) cross-section but yeah uh that show ended with jungle boy clearly implying that like he'd love those titles you know you know what's funny it must be it must there must be some kind of crossover because the uh another aew podcast everything elite there they often have a little F1 interlude between two of the three co-hosts. Why are we plugging another? Why are we? We're not. We're just saying. We're just saying they live in the Venn diagram with us mm-hmm. in that that inner part. 
And by the way, we are not a competition. <laughs> so much competition. My God. They they are on they are on a uh, well they were they just spin off, spun off uh, to go independent but they were on a pretty a fairly large wrestling podcast network man we could have quit our jobs our day jobs <laughs> they, we, they they can't if we were only on <laughs> iTunes right uh-huh. yeah <laughs> all right Megan I think it's time to talk about uh, this week's edition of AEW Dynamite which which of course uh, came from the Greensboro Coliseum Complex in Greensboro, North Carolina, where there were 5,593 uh, in attendance, or at least that was how many tickets were distributed. Uh, so there probably were actually more in attendance with uh, comps and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so se- only a 73% capacity, but, you know, with the surging coronavirus, maybe, uh, maybe some people were playing it smart. And, you know, still a hot crowd. Even even only at seventy ish percent, if we if we count people who may not have shown up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, we are here and we're starting the show off hot. We've got Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy because these two have a lot of issues they need to settle amongst themselves. Adam Cole hates shenanigans. What with his interactions with John Silver and Alex Reynolds showing us. Um, but yeah, so Orange is not his type of dude, and. Uh, what an opening match this is, guys. Quality-wise, I think it's what we've all come to know and expect from a Dynamite show opener. You know, it's got some wacky antics thrown in for good measure. It's it's a good match. But um, I dare say it's all about the boom. Because Adam Cole, he he wins with the boom. Don't make that face, Jenny. That's a good, that's a good little catch mm. phrase there. Um, yes, Adam Cole gets the win. And he doesn't even need the help of the rest of the super click. Who suspiciously like don't come out with him at the beginning, uh, which I thought was weird. And then midway through, they did show up. So I was like, oh, that's where they were. Um, and they tried unsuccessfully to distract the ref. So, but yeah, they they weren't needed. Adam Cole got the win. Um, and before we get to his his big holiday bash surprise that contributed to his win, what did you think about the match itself? I liked it. I I have been. I have been surprised, and I think just because of mostly because of how he is portrayed in NXT, of how willing Adam Cole has been to do to like play into comedy bits with uh, with Orange Cassidy. Yeah, I love it. It's like I I like it too, but it's like it doesn't. It's not like top guy shit, you know. True, but in some ways, it kind of just warms my heart that he's willing to have a little fun and that to me exudes this level of confidence where like I know I'm good so this isn't going to screw me up doing this you know like like I'm sure he feels comfortable doing comedy in a way that like if he were maybe lower on the the card maybe like a regular on dark and elevation um that comedy might hold him back so I kind of I appreciate that a top guy is willing to play in that space with Orange Cassidy. I don't know. He might have PTSD from last night because he was assaulted at the beginning. Orange put his hand, put Adam's hands down his own pants pockets. He didn't make him touch his peen. I mean, that would, that would be, this is close to your peen. That's assault, brother. <laughs> he didn't kiss him the way 
Dustin did, uh, Jake Hager's wife. Yeah, that was assault. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I do, I do, uh, to Andy's point though, I, I'll agree with Andy's point. I don't know that I would, I would classify the sticking his hands in orange pocket or orange's pocket as a uh, assault. If no, uh, no inappropriate touching happened, but it probably wasn't very fun for him because he was mad about it. I did like we did get a I, well I, I don't know I can't say this for sure but I think at least in AEW we got the debut of like you know we've seen the Orange Cassidy slow motion kicks yes but I don't think I've ever seen the Orange Cassidy slow motion back and forth like slugfest spot. I want to say you're right because I'm. I'm pretty sure it's only been the kicks that he's done that with, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's it's like I was trying to think of how to describe it. It's like it's like the thing you do to get uh the crowd to go boo yay as the babyface and he'll like go back and forth with punches or forearms or whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But he was doing it so slowly that Adam wasn't really reacting at all. He was just he just looked mystified. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there is an element of confusion when somebody comes at you with that that confusingly slow, oh, that's the attack, huh? Yes. But again, I- I'm glad Adam was willing to play in the space. And also to like show us that he, for the kicks at least, when that section happened, he clearly was like, you're pulling this shit? <laughs> Come on. And he no-sold it. <laughs> so that was fun. I do really like the... Adam Cole spot, and I, I don't know if he created the spot. Probably not, but he he does it really well. Where he fakes a super kick high, the person like covers up, and then he kicks them in the knee instead. Yes, that is very good. I enjoy that a lot too. Arn Anderson used to do a variation on that where he would he would like pull back his fist for a punch, and then like to cause the opponent to duck, and then he would like grab them and DDT them. Okay. It was good. I feel like Arn's version is more, um, like, achieves the goal of, like, like in the theater, you have to play big to the back row. Uh, because sometimes when Adam Cole does his, like, fake kick to at the top, it you either almost miss it or it looks like maybe a mistake. But then, yes. you know, when he follows it up, it's like, oh, okay, he was doing that. But it's it's a lot more subtle. Have you ever heard Steve Austin talk about how, like, the reason that he – would spear so, spill so much beer on himself while he was doing his like beer drinking celebrations in the ring. No, I just thought he like pouring beer on himself. Honestly, he said it was. He said like he usually didn't really end up with like drinking that much because of it. Uh, because he said his idea, like like you mentioned, was you can't just drink beer for the fans in the front row. You got to drink beer for the fans in the, in the, <laughs> in the like way back in the t- in the upper deck too. You know, so you gotta you gotta really like. Get it up there and exaggerate it, and you know. <laughs> Good for him. He's a yeah. he's a theater man. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Page, take note. He's just out there drinking a beer in the front row. Ugh. Sometimes, before COVID, Adam was spewing it everywhere. Remember, like he would before COVID, also he would like uh, take, take beers from yep. fans. Yeah. I think it was smart for him to stop that. Oh, definitely, yeah. But Jenny I, was always I, against that. I was. Yeah. Even pre-COVID, she's like, that's a that's a health risk. He probably caught a few colds. 
Yeah. He's strengthening his immune system by exposing himself to to the common cold. Don't want to get a cold anymore. That's fair. That's fair. Although it sounds like uh, now that we've all been, you know, triple jabbed, uh, if we did catch the Omicron variant, we would probably just like feel like we had a cold. That's what they say. Although I don't trust it because me and you, Andy, when we got the jab, the second, the third, both times from what we've talked about, uh, we felt the effects very heavily. And Jenny did not, which is nice for her. But it makes me think that if that's what the vaccine feels like, then if, if you know, you were to be exposed, right. it, it might be a level of that. But the vaccine is like is like trying to trigger a very specific immune response. Yeah, the vaccine is not a live um, virus. virus. But what I will say is it does make me worry that I've not actually been You vaccinated. have been vaccinated. We've been <laughs> over this. We've been talking about this since April. <laughs> and I'm mostly just uh, worried because um, – I am just like a precious uh, wuss who really hated feeling the effects of vaccine and was like, well, this is this is going to kill me. And that's just so dramatic and untrue. (laughs) I just don't like being uncomfortable and sick. So (laughs) I was like, not again, never again. Now, Megan, you were sick a few weeks ago. I was, but it wasn't like Do you think that you had the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. I don't know, because I don't know where I would have gotten it. I don't leave my house. I also think if you had it, your sister for sure would have gotten it. Yeah, wow. that that was my thought. Um, she didn't even catch... I think I had, like, a extreme cold, and she didn't even catch that. So, uh, whatever I had, I'm just assuming, like, just marinated in, in my body and then um, was taken care of. And it's probably also, too, like, I don't take the best care of myself, uh, audience. <laughs> Dear listeners, um, I don't sleep enough and I drink a lot and I can't say my diet is healthy. So <laughs> the fact that I was sick and uh, my sister who doesn't drink and I would argue gets plenty of sleep, maybe that's just a lifestyle. That's just a that's just proof of like lifestyle helps or hurts you when you're sick. So I probably just had a cold. How many hours of sleep do you get a night, Megan, on average? Um, probably between like six and eight on a good day on like a Saturday, but usually six, I think. But you don't get up early for work. So I just don't sleep well sometimes. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, It's not like a scheduling thing. It's like a, no, it's like getting quality sleep thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we have to talk about why Adam Cole was able to win this match despite um, being, uh, you know, very well set up for the orange punch. We do, we do. So don't you love it when they, like, get real close up on one of the wrestlers in the ring on their face and then behind them the crowd is like, Wah! and they're, like, pointing and stuff and you can't see what they're they're referencing? That's what happened here. Um, while Adam Cole was you know, doing his fight stuff, um, somewhere on the outside, Kyle O'Reilly, his old old friend from the... But he doesn't work here. Oh, Andy, newsflash, I believe, I haven't seen the graphic for it, but I'm going to guess. I've seen it. Okay, that Kyle O'Reilly is all elite. 
<laughs> yes, confirmed. Okay, because if he wasn't, like, what a hell of a job he's doing here. Um, he shows up, and he, while the ref is distracted by Adam Cole, he does a move on Orange Cassidy. People are like, oh, my God, Kyle O'Reilly's here. Uh, the ref obviously doesn't see it, because why would he? Kyle rolls out to the back, kind of crouches down, and then Adam Cole gets the win. Um, yeah, and and that's, I believe, as Adam said, this is his holiday bash surprise. Yeah. Well, you know who wasn't happy about the surprise? Well, before we get to that, um, we should talk about Kyle O'Reilly himself. Because... He looks the same to me. I know Jenny Jenny does not care and, in fact, asked me, who is that when uh, when he (laughs) debuted? But I'm very very excited to see Cool Kyle in AEW, a a promotion that I watch, unlike NXT, a promotion I do not watch. Um, It was great to see him. After the match, he did an awesome, uh, like, he did his awesome thing where he gets, like, neon belly jujitsu position on a guy and then just, like, rains down ground ground and pound. It looks so great. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was exciting, and uh, he and he and Adam Cole like they did not, they didn't embrace, they didn't. Uh... What was that? They had so, this moment yeah. where they looked so, like Megan, they were almost going to fight. Yeah, Megan, they they were very much at odds uh, over the last you know like few months of their time together in NXT, and in fact, I believe it was Kyle O'Reilly who beat Adam Cole in his last match in NXT. So so they they were no they were not friends. And I appreciate that instead of just pretending that, that never happened, uh AEW is continuing that character continuity. Okay. I appreciate that level of care. I will admit I had no insight on that backstory because I stopped watching NXT. But also my question is if there were lingering bad feelings why did Adam bring him in? Because I'm assuming it had to be Adam that brought him in. Because that's his his big Christmas bash or holiday bash surprise. That's actually a good point that I hadn't thought about. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe none of this makes sense. But anyway, it was great to see him. Yes. Well, I mean, I think you're probably right. It's, it's almost like tonally in this after the match segment that um, they like had that happen. But then also by the end of it, I was like, oh, well, they're friends. So I, because, okay, so Kyle O'Reilly shows up, he starts beating up Orange after the match, Adam pulls him away, they have like this weird staring moment that everything Andy just said makes total sense as to why that's happening. But then Chuck and Trent run out to help their buddy Orange, and they quickly get overwhelmed because it's Adam, Bobby Fish was out there at this point, and and Kyle O'Reilly, and naturally this caused undisputed chance to just start which i don't think they're allowed to call themselves that but you know the crowd doesn't care um so they clear out the ring of of the good guys and then the young bucks walk out uh jenny can you tell us about it they they seemed very jealous and it was an emotion that i understand well Uh (laughs) uh-oh a friend jealousy where you see your your best friends talking with other friends, getting all cozy, helping each other out. Now, Jenny, but in this situation, theoretically, Adam thought he was giving his friends a gift of another friend joining mm. the group. Nope. 
very against that sort of idea. Very against that. <laughs> I am a firm believer that we have a specific amount of love to give. And again, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so much. There's only so much love and attention to go around. <laughs> <laughs> so You know, it's, it's true because... Jenny, you and I went to a, a cookie party at our, you know, in our new neighborhood uh, and met a lot of neighbors for the first time or, or, you know, really talked to them for the first time. I haven't talked to a single one of those people since because I have already, you know, meted out. I, I've already, like, accounted for all the love in my heart <laughs> and I don't have room for new friends at this point. That's Guys, really sad but true. <laughs> I think as adults, it's kind of like, I'm not saying you can't make new friends, but I feel like as adults, if you've got the friends you want and need, you kind of like have no motivation to really expand beyond your group. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's also a bad time of year to like follow up on things like it's that. It's cold out. Yeah, like what am I gonna do? Sit in my driveway and just like wait yeah. for people to walk by? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. I have motivation of the fact that it would be nice to have a friend that was next door so that like you could drink and not have to drive home and, but, and exchange cookies apparently and like, exchange cookies but like it's a lot of effort to make a new friend and it's really hard because it's cold that's and there's COVID. like a lot of work <laughs> yes look so then jenny um Look, I shouldn't be surprised at all. But as ever, Jenny stands by her her buck, Nick Nick Jackson, in the loudest Christmas gear I've ever seen. Just Oh my gosh. He turned his typical horrifying out like shorts and uh button down short sleeve shirt combo into a holiday version with um, you know, candy canes and ornaments and stuff. But he is upset, so is Matt. Um, they look not happy about the surprise so much as, like, confused. Oh, they look unhappy. You think they went full unhappy? I, I thought they were kind of like, went what are you doing, bro? Unhappy, a lot of emotions about jealousy starting to creep in. Unsure now, how much they want to show to their friend Adam. Now, Andy, uh, I'll ask you this. Um... And sorry, Jen, I'm not asking you just because, like me, I don't think you know the answer. But uh, Adam has was friends with Bobby and Kyle in NXT. Do the Bucks have any history with Bobby and Kyle? Like, yes, much okay. history with Bobby and Kyle. They uh, they Bad were both history? in the. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah, they were they were uh, chief rivals in the uh, New Japan Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Division. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So are we supposed to know They've, that? Because I just read it as, this is another friend of my friend, and I don't like that because he's going to take attention and love away from me. I don't think we're supposed <laughs> to know that explicitly, but I think, I imagine that Excalibur will start telling that story. Okay. Because, I mean, these these are these are two teams, uh, you know, the Red Dragon and the Young Bucks, who have, like, literally wrestled against each other at the Tokyo Dome, so... So they, um, Adam made a mistake in calculating how much his new friends would like to, to hang out with his old friends. I mean, perhaps. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, now, was he dead during that part, that time? No, this is pre-dead. Okay, so he should know it. 
Yeah. I was going to say maybe they could play that card, but. That guy's a ghost. Um, okay, I like that. I like the layers here because ultimately, like, the Young Bucks are Jenny. They are upset and confused. And Adam, they, they like, are in the ring. Kyle and Bobby are standing behind Adam in the ring. And Adam kind of looks at them like, Ugh. he does, like, the almost like the shoulder shrug, only he doesn't, but you can see it in his eyes. He looks a little conflicted and then ultimately ends up rolling out of the ring and signaling for Bobby and Kyle to follow him, which they do after they give each other a hug because, you know, they are a tag team. Um, but yeah. Okay, so I just want to make sure because I said I said that they had wrestled each other at the Tokyo Dome and I wanted to make sure that I just wasn't just saying that. Uh, and in fact, it has happened twice. Oh, Okay. So the first time was, uh, where is it? Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Wrestle Kingdom 9, January 4, 2015. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly defeated Alex Shelley and Kushida, (gasps) Alex Kozlov and Rocky Romero, and Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson in a four-way tag to retain the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. And then... uh, one year later, at Wrestle Kingdom 10, January 14th or January 4th, 2016, Matt and Nick Jackson defeated champions Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero, and Matt Seidel and Ricochet. Oh wow! For, for the uh, for those tag team titles, so, yeah. Okay, so there were belts on the line. There were belts on the line. Yes. That's never and good. Fish and, Fish and O'Reilly won one year, and uh, Bucks won the next year. Okay, I could see how that would cause some some sad feelings between them. For sure, Megan. Yeah, so we'll see where that goes. Um, Adam, what are you doing, bud? Uh, but speaking of Adam, I do have to say that the B-plot of this match happened on commentary with Tony Schiavone. He <laughs> hates Adam Cole, and I love it. He's so bitter. He uh, He said... I don't want to deviate from this match, but don't you think Adam Cole needs to wash his hair? To which his fellow announce team was like, what? (laughs) Tony Schiavone on this episode of Dynamite was really trying to take the place of JR. There were like specific comments where I was just like, is JR back? I don't remember those. I do remember um, near the end, Taz, I don't know if he was trying to play it up, but um, I feel like he and Tony and Excalibur all got real awkward at one point. <laughs> oh. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. Maybe it was picture in picture. Taz was like, I'm going to get replaced by JR because the promo came up and then it got, felt like it did get real awkward because it's like, yeah, you are getting replaced. Oh, it wasn't awkward. He knows. He knew he was there for felt to felt. I know, but let us play our little bits here, Andy. Let us play our little games, Andy. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to bring up that Tony Schiavone, um, and his love for Britt Baker and his hatred for Adam Cole are funny. Um, he also just like cheered a lot when Adam had near falls, which I thought was uh very biased but very funny too. So Tony, calm down. You're all gonna get along fine. After this, we get a video package of highlights from that one-hour match that opened last week's Winter is Coming Dynamite. 
episode. Agreed. Yeah, I mean. Looked like a good a, match. There was an hour of material to choose from, so they cho- chose some good stuff. And uh, You know what? I think, not to get too ahead of ourselves, and I loved last week's match, and I would not, I would never say that as a match, as a, like a technical match, that the main event of this week's Dynamite was a better technical match than oh, the yeah. hour-long match. But I think you could probably find even more highlights in that 26-minute six-man tag uh, than there were in the hour-long. Well, that's because it was a lot more fast-paced and high-energy because there were six people to do 20 minutes instead of two people to do 60 minutes. I know. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm very excited to talk about that match later. But anyway, go ahead. Yes, yes. Ooh, the main event. I liked it. Um, But yes, so this was uh, this video package was basically to tell us that um, the TBS era of Dynamite will kick off with a rematch between these two boys, Adam and Brian, uh, on the January 5th episode of Dynamite, which is on TBS. It's my birthday. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. You're going to get a match between these two uh, good wrestlemen. Now, what's interesting to me about this is, you know, this is one of the dates we talked about being like, where do you put this match? But now, what do you headline... The, the 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 Battle of the Belt special with only three days later. Mm. I don't know, because I would definitely expect every belt to be represented on that show. It won't be. It's an hour-long show. <sighs> then I guess... And they've already signed Britt Baker versus Riho. Okay. So maybe that'll be the main event. Well, I would hope so. Yeah, because that's the next biggest one. Yeah. Or it should be. Should be. I would argue. Is it, but should be. I would argue the tag team titles are the next biggest one. Is, but shouldn't be. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think if you're insisting on having a women's and men's solid division here, like, uh, it annoys me that men's is default first, but, like, that should mean that the women's version of that is default second, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. the biggest of the the divisions and then the tag teams and since women don't have tag team belts you do the men's um but maybe that's why they bumped this match to january 5th is because it will get the time and kind of notoriety that it like it it takes it out of that that show where like everything is important you know because of belts and it puts it on a show where this is the most important thing well, I think it's really important to have a really big match on that first TBS show to make sure that people remember and make the switch to TBS from TNT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I, I mean, I'll go with you. I think the ladies' title should be a headliner, but also I think a show full of potential belt switches, whether or not they do any, will just be fun anyway, because, you know, every match is for a belt. Yay! Why are they doing Battle of the Belts on an, the hour-long Rampage instead of the two-hour-long Dynamite? It's not Rampage. Rampage will be Friday, and then Battle of the Belts will be Saturday in prime time. What? Battle of the Belts is a new quarterly special that will be airing on TNT uh, oh. going forward. So it's not a pay-per-view, but it's also not one of their standard right. episodes. Yeah, but also like it's just weird to me that's an hour because I so I imagine there's going to be a YouTube component to it. Oh, um, probably because 
they are doing it live and you can't just i mean you know what i mean it's like you're not going to just have a one-hour show yeah for the live crowd for the crowd that's in attendance you know yeah you do the youtube like buy-in or whatever yeah yeah for sure okay well look forward to that that's gonna happen um this video package is relevant because the next segment on the show uh tony goes to the ring where adam page comes out and he's gonna speak to him um adam's chiron as he comes out is doesn't normally last an hour which is always fun um <laughs> job adam uh tony ever the solid interviewer <laughs> his first comment is on the fact that adam lost but like given one or two more minutes he would have won that match against brian it's fine he just needed one or two more minutes i think given like five more seconds he could have won because he was about to pin him it's true well i mean we think that but adam disagrees adam says he Never felt like less of a champion than last week, even after being in the company for three years. <laughs> he says all he felt last week was disappointment, which is, you know, sad boy, Adam. Um, Brian, at this point, interrupts because, of course, he does. He is incredulous of this claim that Adam has made. He calls him the entitled millennial, millennial cowboy, and he says he still has that AEW World Championship title around his shoulder. And yet he's still disappointed that's dumb so <laughs> brian's but, what can we point out that brian is also a millennial well i mean sure but I, i'm guessing he wouldn't call himself that right but he is technically a millennial yes he is but also adam he has those anxious millennial cowboy shirts so i think you know i i agree i like adam's nickname but i'm just saying <laughs> Brian should suffer the consequences of being a millennial, too. Yes. That's fair. Well, he's not going to acknowledge that. But he does call Adam that, which I thought was funny. Um, he says that it's the AEW fans who should be disappointed because he, Brian, kicked ass for 60 minutes. And Adam still got to walk away with that title. So it's Brian who should definitely be the champion. The crowd hates him which i love <laughs> because he's daniel bryan brian danielson whatever uh the crowd should not hate him but he's such a great heel so the crowd is mad um brian says you know i'm not gonna cry about it though i'm just gonna kick your ass during our rematch adam and he also takes the time to blame the fact that he had a match with john silver before his match with adam and that contributed to his look like losing because he had his leg worked over and it was still bothering him when he faced Adam. So oh, of course, crazy. of course he has a reason he lost. It's fine. Um, Brian makes it clear. He won't be wrestling again until the match with Adam on January 5th so that he can be his in top shape and ready to go. No excuses this time. Of course, he definitely will have excuses, you know, ultimately. Um, but he says, I won't wrestle. But the fact that, Adam, you can still stall for 60 whole minutes during the rematch and then end up leaving us in the same place we are as far as, like, Adam walking away with the belt, even though there's no winner, um, he doesn't want that to happen. 
So he proposes that for their match on January 5th, they include judges so that there's no automatic win in the event of a draw, like an or automatically keeping the title in the event of a draw. Um, the judges will determine a winner either way. And I'm assuming he's confident that he will be that winner. It How comes down to it. judges judge? Like, is it just octagon control or like... I mean, I'm assuming very similar to how MMA judges judge, which I don't fully understand either. Um, but yeah, I guess like, uh, can what is it based on like, like how long one person is, you know, it, typically, I think. yeah, like dominating or whatever. Um, yeah. I don't know if they take any special things like, like hits, but I mean, it's a wrestling mm. match, so you're not going to. I guess you could take hits and kicks into account, but, you know, it's a wrestling match. You could do near pinfalls. Yes. Um, it's interesting, but then in my head when I heard this, I was like, please don't, please don't make us do another 60-minute match and then have oh, a judging God. session. I, I I enjoyed the first one, but that's, it's a lot. It's like that's a lot. really long. <laughs> And I'm, I don't necessarily think it's going to come down to that. I don't know if they're going to play around with who they pick as judges. But Adam ultimately agrees to this proposal. And he says, yeah, go ahead, pick your judges. Um, but you better pay them up front because it's not going to come down to that. They're ultimately going to be there for nothing. So he he's confident that he's going to win. Somebody's going to win. I'm sure he's confident he's going to be the one to win before 60 minutes is up. I just want someone to win before 60 minutes is up. That's my plea to the to the match. Yeah, I think no one wants 60 minute match. I think that the uh, the judge thing is just an excuse to have three like I don't know name people make cameos. Okay, I figured that would probably be like a a thing, you know. Get some legacy ass dudes up in there or whatever. I mean, they've always got Eric Bischoff showing up. Not that I want him as Ugh. a judge, God, <laughs> but yeah. like clearly he's. Why'd you, on why'd you say it out loud? Why'd you say it out loud? All right, I've got a uh, emergency pop. I've got a Chimay Dore, which is an ale brewed with Ooh. spices. That's really good. I'm excited. And. I've even got my Chimay glass. Oh, so festive. Which, which I got because Dan, who worked at the wine bar that we used to go to, um, heard me, overheard me saying that I would like a Chimay wine or a beer uh, glass one time. And then he just brought one over to me and gave it to me. Well, that's service. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that was before we were, like, really, really mm-hmm. in good, you know? So, man. All right. Oh, you hear that pour. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I had about this segment was that <laughs> as part of Adam agreeing, he said some. he had this line where he said, like, he wasn't going to be a B plus player, which infuriated Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson. Damn it. Um, and I think 
that's a reference to the WWE, right? Like, oh yeah, that's what Triple H him. said about him in that promo. Yeah. Oh, he got so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I believe he mouthed "How dare you," which I love. So, um, yeah, that was a pretty good segment. Like, I like these boys fighting. Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, Megan, Brian Danielson. Um, It'll click eventually. I don't know, Jurassic. <laughs> it's. That's right, right? Jur- jungle Express? <laughs> Jurassic Express? You always said Jungle Express, but it's Oh, Jurassic okay. Express. Now you're making me question. Um, Tell yeah. called Jurassic Park one time. <laughs> well, and who calls them Jurassic Experience? Uh, Dave Meltzer. Okay. Yeah. I, he, I don't know if he's stopped that or not, but there was a there was a stretch. Hey, they are a full experience. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, I love Brian Danielson as a heel. I think he's very good at it. I think it's, it's fun to watch. Uh, and I love Adam. So you know, good stuff all around. Um, I think um, a little bit. Uh, Brian Danielson kind of. Eight poor hangman alive on the promo battle. Yeah, I mean yeah. he's very good at it. <laughs> yeah, he might want to he might want to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> Why to make Adam look better? Because he shouldn't have to reduce his shine for others. <laughs> and you know that message is strong because Jenny yes, is saying it's, it it's, it's in a favor. It's a collaborative effort. No, no. <laughs> Andy, just think what it took for Jenny to say that against Adam. Uh-huh. She is. She is saying Brian Danielson Danielson should be his best self. He should. He shouldn't have to reduce himself. Adam should just up his game. I guess that's true. I mean, he had he's had to reduce himself for the past eleven years, so it's it's nice to see him back as the American Dragon. I yes, I think the way he turns on a dime of like I'm a badass. And then goes, but I'm not going to wrestle tonight. And here's my excuses why. And he just like ticks down a reason of like, well, my legs hurt. And like, I don't want Adam to be tired. And it's like, you are so good at this. That's a 40 year old's excuse. Like, <laughs> as, as we get older, we start being like, mm, well, my knee is a little sore today. I, you know, John Silver, he worked over that leg. Okay. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. That's uh, I'm excited for the rematch. I'll say that. Hope it's not an hour. I think it will be. I think it would go about thirty-five. I'm gonna say forty-five. Okay. My English recall. Uh, I was hoping for a solid twenty-five. I'm being <laughs> <All> honest. <laughs> Just over that twenty-minute mark of like this is uh, a TV match. But, like, not by much. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, For now, guys, do you remember that the pinnacle are thing? And that they're, like... I did not remember that. Well, they're so totally cool, you know? Like, they're a family. Nothing's wrong. They're gelled. Together. Uh, We go backstage where MJF is like, I didn't want a camera here, but fine. Um, cameras here. MJF thanks Sean Spears for being such a great accountability buddy to Wardlow last week. Um, he includes his snide remark about how, you know, also they 
they did the the pre-match or post-match champagne like he sent him out to go get it and Wardlow did a really good job with that but also like could have been faster he could have not that's a fair complaint about champagne could have been taken care of before his match Mm -hmm. exactly because i mean if you'll remember after his match um mjf got attacked and mjf rewinds wardlow i do pay you to protect me you know and wardlow gives him this look that's like i hate my job and my boss but he doesn't say anything and then MJF blows by this, any protests or anything Wardlow might want to say by saying, yeah, it's all good. We're good. And then he moves on to like his promo and his beef with punk. Um, but guys, see, all of this could have been fixed with timely champagne. Yeah. I mean, you got to chill your champagne. That's why you got to think ahead for a champagne game. I mean, these are all fair points. Now, would you have been nicer to Wardlow about his performance? Yes, I would be very scared of Wardlow, so I would be nice to him. Yes, but I would make sure that the that he went out earlier the next time. That's fair. I would start bugging him earlier about it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, just get the impression that Wardlow might be looking for a new employer soon, so if, <laughs> if anybody's looking for a champagne fetcher, I, mean, I think he'll be available. We're always looking for champagne I, fetchers here. I feel like All Eat Wrestling might be a good choice. For employment. <laughs> Are they going to take care of his family the way MJF does? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think some of them get health insurance. <sighs> Only he some. Could, he could work in the back. Uh, maybe not in the office, but like, I'm sure he can lift heavy boxes. That's probably a thing. I bet he could lift heavy boxes. Yeah. Regardless, Wordlow is forgotten because the real point of this uh, little family session here is that MJFTR are preparing for their their battle. I I love it. (laughs) I knew you would. That's a very anti thing. MJFTR, just like the smushing together of the names. I was so happy every time it was said out loud. I didn't appreciate (laughs) how MJF totally blocked Wardlow from view for the rest of this promo after they stopped talking about the champagne. Like, Wardlow was not visible. I think that was intentional. I know. Okay. That's his punishment. No camera time if you can't be quick on the draw with champagne and also be a bodyguard at the same time. Get it together, uh, War Dog. Do you guys think that the... Do you think it's coming soon? I think so. Yeah. Do you think, like... I don't know. Could you see could you see MJF versus Wardlow by Revolution in early March? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's not the next one, right? That's the next one. Why is it so long? Because <laughs> they only do Cause, four. Because <laughs> it's like it's pretty short between all out and um full gear. So oh. then there's a big gap. That's a long time to wait. Mm-hmm. Well, they've been kind of like I feel like they tease this in, in ways that are like subtle enough that they don't have to pull the trigger, but they also keep it going enough that it, whenever they want to pull the trigger on this split, they can. So. They. MJF has been with Wardlow pretty much since he turned on Cody, right? 
And Ward, well, Wardlow yeah. debuted. Remember those weird like Wardlow commercials that they were playing? Well, I remember the I remember like his introduction promo, which was on like was on like the rooftop of a building uh-huh. or something, and he like he fought two like assailants or I, yeah, it was weird. It was like it was <laughs> that was that was very much like a straight out of Lucha Underground kind of yeah uh, introduction. But but I think so. I think I think he was not around with MJF before because MJF was mm, on Team Cody. Yeah, so I think. So I think it's been over two years of them together now. Yeah. Yeah. It's been long enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, MJF sucks as a boss. He seems like such sucks a douchebag. Sucks as a person, sucks as a TV. Good lord. Yeah, exactly. But that's not the point. The point is... Uh, MJF combined his name with FTR uh, because they are a tag team. And everyone rejoiced. <laughs> yeah, they are a trio. They are a family, unlike CM Punk, Darby Allen, and Sting, who I guess are just like friends. Family is important. Dominic Toretto. <laughs> is that you? Papa <laughs> Corona <laughs> earlier? Shimei. <laughs> but yeah, the. the, the Shimei about- is the Corona of the Trappist Monk set. <laughs> Whoa, that's deep. That's all about brotherhood. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe MJFTR should drink a Chimay, although I don't think either uh, any of the members of that trio seem like they, they go craft beer. <laughs> but their family, they're going to win. That's why. So we'll see on the main event. Next up, we have what I thought was very depressing. Um, Wardlow has a match against Captain Sean Dean, who should be oh. used better than this. this what is, the hell was this? Like, this is not his role. Why Sean Dean? What did he do? I don't know, because I was like, oh no, is that Sean Dean? And then when they introduced him, like, isn't he, doesn't he win other places? What is, what is this? Because... What you expect to happen, happened. Uh, Wardlow, he's got this thing for power bombs lately, and he, this whole match is just four power bombs on poor Captain Sean Dean, who I feel is capable of defending himself and putting up any sort of fight, which he was not given the opportunity to. Um, but ultimately, I mean, yeah, that's the match. Like, yeah, the power bombs look great. Uh, Sean Dean took them great. Yes. I mean, maybe, and maybe that's maybe that sealed his fate. He was like the the man best equipped to be brutalized by four power bombs in short order. Boo. Lee Johnson sandbagged Wardlow, and he was like, "Oh, I guess I'm not good at taking power bombs. Sorry, guy." That's how you get out of stuff you do it badly. Yeah. Nobody yeah. will ask you to do it again. Yeah, you break that dish. Guys, yep. that's why I haven't had to load a dishwasher in like five years. I mean, you just sort of blew your cover on that one. <laughs> but yeah i mean i was so sad to see that that captain sean deer or sean dean was in this position because like the point of the match made sense like this is a squash match for wardlow and i guess like other than that it also showed off how fucking annoying it must be to have sean spears as your accountability buddy um, Don't say accountability, buddy. It's that's what just, they call him. That's what they I call know, him. but it's just the worst. 
I'm sorry. He is the accountability buddy of Wardlow. And it sucks for Wardlow. Uh, Sean Spears also annoyingly got to roll up after the match and hit Sean Dean with his metal chair, which I just thought was like rubbing salt into the wound of that um, whole thing. But yeah, I I think the point of this match is like, Wardlow, your work environment sucks. You got to get out of there. Cats to go. Gots to bounce. Yes, that's the right one. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think they could have picked literally anyone besides Captain Sean Dean. I was upset about that. <sighs> so after that, we get a quick video package of Sammy Guevara um, being awesome. He talks about how his first match against Cody on the first Dynamite was like the biggest night of his career at that time. But now the tables have turned and, and Sammy is basically the one who if we're going off crowd reaction, is in a better position than Cody. So they've got this match for the TNT title coming up, and uh, Sammy's confident he's going to retain. Um, we, we shall see on Saturday's Rampage Christmas night um, if Sammy can do that, but I hope he does because Cody's being a dick lately. Well, and, you know, he's already lost one thing recently. <laughs> It sounded like it was a a, a mu- mutual split. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago that um, we uh, did not believe that Sammy and Pam were any longer together. And w- there were rumors. And based on what we saw, it looked like maybe Sammy and Ty Conti might be together now. And this week, Sammy did um, post saying that he and Pam were no longer together. And I would like to say that I I think he then had to repost saying, please don't blame anyone. And I bet the stupid internet trolls were all after Ty Conti, who I'm sure did absolutely nothing wrong in this relationship. I do not. Ty's a good girl. And I don't believe that like she would have done anything wrong. And I don't think that Sammy would have done anything wrong either. I'm sure all of that happened after he and Pam were no longer together. If that happened at all. Look, this sounds contradictory because I love me some hot goss about relationships in the wrestling world. But also, Sammy and Pam and Ty are all grown-ass adult people. Uh, I don't, Unless some sort of, like, abuse or uh, other bad thing was happening, I think it's kind of up to them to, like, make decisions about the relationship. I think it's kind of weird and unfortunate timing that Sammy, like, proposed on television. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure why he did that. Yeah. That could have actually been, like... So, we see this a lot in Housewives, where they become a housewife, and then their relationship with their husband is on TV, which obviously causes major issues when you, like, watch that back. Because everyone has issues in their relationships. True. And so, then their marriage starts to fall apart a little bit. So, it's like this last-ditch effort... They do a stupid vow renewal. And inevitably, every vow renewal I have seen on Bravo, which has been many, guys, just many, so many, within two years, the people are divorced. So my hypothesis is potentially that Sammy and Pam were potentially slipping away a little bit, and he was trying to make this grand gesture for her to be, like, more part of his new world. 
and and it just like didn't work because there were cracks in the foundations already i have no idea no that is all just i mean what i've seen on bravo <laughs> it's fair to say that like an engagement is going to fix a broken relationship <laughs> and it's probably a bad idea um but also you guys watch sammy's vlog uh, more than I ever have. I don't know if you're still keeping up with it, but as far as like Pam being in the picture, it's not like he proposed to her on TV and then she became a character on Dynamite or Rampage. Um, unless she was on the vlog, I like I've never seen her again since. So I don't know how much of their public, their life suddenly being public, uh, changed in that regard. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm saying so. We haven't. Wa- I haven't personally watched Sammy's vlog in probably a couple years but when I did watch Sammy's vlog before he was really big on dynamite and stuff like Pam was on the vlog I guess what I'm saying Um, is that his life blew up and how he's like this big star and maybe he felt like you know their dynamic and their relationship was changing and he was trying to pull her more into his new world but that is that's based on nothing so well, regardless, um, to anyone that needs to hear this, and hopefully the people that listen to us don't need to hear this, but, like, nobody ever deserves to receive death threats and um, Wait, who, horrifying... Who receiving... Ty was receiving death threats? I'm assuming that's probably part of the mix of fun messages oh, she got that she had to shut her Twitter down because she's a lady on the internet. Um, but, like, Nobody deserves that in any way, especially not over some stupid relationship issue. <laughs> Come on, guys. Be better. Um, just putting that out there. Hey, speaking of relationship issues, I've got some, uh, I've got some news. Uh, a few hours ago, the Young Bucks tweeted out a, uh, a nice picture of themselves and Brandon Cutler backstage at Dynamite wearing, their, uh, wearing the togs that they, uh, that they wore last night. Of course. And uh, uh, shortly thereafter, Adam Cole... Responded, looking great, fellas. Merry Christmas and hope to talk soon. Uh, then the Young Bucks updated their uh, their Twitter, uh, what do you call it, their, uh, their profile, like their, their description like or whatever. Oh. Yeah. Um, to say, which is like, that's kind of their gimmick. They do that like a lot. Right. Uh, and right now it is uh, Young Bucks. Ain't no side chick. <gasps> <laughs> It. Love it. They're getting out. <laughs> Adam, he didn't read that situation right. <laughs> no, he certainly didn't. <laughs> oh my! Oh, I love that. Well, this should be this should play out nicely on the uh, the big screen coming up. I'm excited to see it. Um, for now, though, uh, whether you like it or not, Dan Lambert's here. Oh. He's still an old man that doesn't super understand the youth of today that's okay though because he's here to explain to us what uh fair play is um he he says he understands the need to create a level playing field for his fighters an american top team and to ensure a like essentially by doing that to ensure a meritocracy where the best fighters rise to the top now i don't know if you realize this but tony khan man doesn't do this Tony Khan man elevates his friends instead of the people that deserve it. And yeah, so there's a lot of nepotism in uh, <laughs> AEW. Let's be honest, guys. So what you're saying is you agree with Dan Lambert? I, I'm I'm saying I agree with this specific comment that he made. 
Now, I'm not saying there's more nepotism in this company versus the other company, because I don't think that's true. Um, I think the other one has quite a lot of it, but just saying. Well, because of this, uh, you know, elevating friends only sort of deal Tony has, um, Dan's boys, Scorpius Guy and Ethan Page are left out of the holiday bash, while Cody Rhodes gets a TNT championship championship shot next uh, Saturday, this Saturday. Sorry. Um, which, like, isn't fair. So Dan also makes the claim, uh, which was a little weird, that Tony Khan has tasked him with getting people to cheer for Cody, but he doesn't really <laughs> care to do that. I don't know why Tony Khan would think Dan Lambert's a great spokesman for Cody, but Dan's not playing that game anyway. He's just here to make sure Scorpio and Ethan get the title shots they deserve after this whole TNT championship deal is over on Saturday. I think his, I think what he was saying was that even he is not a big enough heel to make these fans cheer for Cody. Well, yeah, I mean, good luck. Those fans hate Cody. Yeah. So Wade Keller of the pro wrestling torch, who is like, who is a journalist that I respect. um, He says that people he has talked to in AEW have said that Cody is completely delusional about the fans reaction to him really yes but i don't like it's that seems really unlikely to me just because of how like it wouldn't be portrayed on television the way it was if that was the case right well because even in his promo on television last time he talked about it he was like i can hear you guys like i know that you're booing he broke the fourth wall a little bit there yeah but does he not really believe it? I, I don't know. I mean, that's what Wade Keller says. Uh, but yeah, but like, but this, I, I feel like this Dan Lambert promo kind of, like, he would never have that line if that was the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. That's so weird. I can't believe that Cody would be delusional just because I assumed he leaned so heavily on kayfabe and the business because his dad is Dusty yeah. Rhodes. Like, he knows how this works. It's. That's so weird. Yeah. It's it's strange because he has always relied a lot on kayfabe, and he does seem like a really smart guy, but he has also gotten the Hollywood bite. Like, he has been bitten by Hollywood a little bit, and you know how that... You remember what happened to Heidi. Well, I mean, you know, like, right <laughs> after high school, he didn't go straight into wrestling. He went to... He, I believe he went to Hollywood. And he didn't make it. And he didn't make it at the time. So I think he's always had that, like, he yeah. wanted to he wanted to act thing, you know? Yeah. So you never know how that... Breaks it, somebody's brain. Yeah, like, you think someone's, like, really well put together, and then, like... And I know he's he's had fame before, but I think it's different when... When it's... I, I don't know. I think so, it's different when a different population discovers you and and then and like you're then you're suddenly famous for a reason other than right yeah but like Like, i think that's the game thing like the obsession with like making movies or getting a football league started it's like he doesn't want to be just a wrestling promoter Mm -hmm. he wants to be like you know like respected for all these other things but he can't succeed at anything else so but also like but (laughs) Okay, I, it's just wild to me that 
the insinuation is that Cody's like confused about why the crowd is booing him. <laughs> I, you're a wrestler. You're. I assume they're booing you because you're doing your job correctly. I, may, am I giving him too much credit? Like, <laughs> I, I. So I don't know, Megan, because from the very beginning of this, I've been like a little bit confused, but I kind of settled on like, no, I think he's getting the reaction he's going for, and it's part of a larger story. Like. And that it's it's going to lead up to something, but I don't know. Just like uh, like reading the way it had said that was interesting to me. Well, and I think also coupled with him kind of not falling out, but distancing himself from like the other EVPs. Yeah, like also is like this weird narrative that it's hard to wrap around everything. It is. It's like that. So th- that's the other thing I was thinking about with this. Like if that's tr- if what Wade Keller says is true then that would also suggest to me that like it's probably a Cody issue that that led to the split, you know? Yeah. See, I always assume that um it was and uh, but not in the harsh not in a harsh way like I just assume that the Bucks and uh you know like Kenny, Kenny and anyone they bring it like Adam Cole the super click as they like kind of expanded that i always thought those were the guys who were like quote unquote like online and are always trying to like play the game of like the current wrestling and i just thought cody split off almost because he's so reverent to the old school style and like wanted to do those type of storylines and those types of matches where it's like those styles just clash and i always assumed that they would i always hoped by heart they would still be friends but just like you know they were doing their different things uh but also like i don't know cody uh, a couple episodes ago or maybe last week he was talking to sammy he like interrupted sammy's promo and said like he like played it up and was like you know good guys like us and then he teased going in the heel tunnel but instead went into the face one and it's like you wouldn't do that if you genuinely were like why do people hate me right uh-huh. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, I I still think that there's just too much like to suggest that like he's that, like this is just a storyline and he's in on it. Like obviously the, it's not a storyline that the fans have turned on him, but like they are they are using it to their advantage. Oh, oh damn. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I think I, wouldn't I just agree with exactly what you said? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I I like process that wrong in my brain, but yes, um, it's just so weird. Okay. Cody, I want, I I think I'm biased because I ultimately want Cody to be cool because he's so funny and I really enjoyed his time on, on being the elite. And I think he has like a good sense of humor and I don't want him to fall off into that weird land of delusion that famous people sometimes get to. So please don't, Cody, please don't. So to take a complete 180 from that, though, Tony Schiavone is attending a holiday party with Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel. And ever the buzz kill, Tony brings up the Battle of the Belts show coming up where Britt has a match against Riho. And then, you know, he points out that Riho someone she's never defeated. Andy, how do you feel about that? Well, prior to that, like, re- really kind of playing into... His commentary performance during 
the Adam Cole match earlier, he totally held uh, mistletoe above Dr. Britt Baker's head, and <laughs> Jamie Hayter had to, like, slap it out of his hand. Yep. And thankfully, Britt was never the wiser, but he was he was, he was was wanting that kiss. Oh, Tony. That's too far, <laughs> Tony. I thought it was really funny. This is a platonic <laughs> friendship, Tony. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny, too, because Britt's like... But she, like, waved her hand around like there was a bug. And she's like, this place is gross. We're never having our holiday celebration here again. It's like. Her holiday celebrations are so depressing. <laughs> it's because she's only invited four people. <laughs> including herself. I was going to say, she only invited three. Yeah. They're, uh, at least they're, like. So, Tony, you know, brought up this sore subject. But at least it wasn't, like, at the Thanksgiving one where there was a all-out fight and Jamie Hayter didn't show up for it like everybody stayed present at this party um but Britt did you know respond to Tony saying like you've never defeated Riho and she's like well you know I'm bigger and stronger than Riho and I have Jamie here which is like Tony goes yeah well Riho beat her (laughs) (laughs) and it's like Tony this is supposed to be your friend, right? Just, just, just keep it to yourself. Although I guess he's he's doing his job as an, a journalist. Um, but Britt says, you know, 2021 was the year of DMD because she herself earned it. She didn't, like, you know, get it handed to her or slide right into somebody else's place. Like, she worked for it. She became a pillar of the company to quote MJF and CM Punk. And she says that 2022 isn't going to start out with Rio as the face of the division because, frankly, she can't carry it the way Britt has. So, well, I mean, to be fair, that that's a little true. I mean, Rio is definitely the better wrestler, <laughs> but she cannot carry the title the way that Britt does. I don't. I, I'm I'm going to have to disagree with you. Really? I I recall that Rio was a big time ratings mover uh, back at the beginning of Dynamite. She, she was. But it was all wrestling based, not promo based. Well, I mean, yeah. So well, that's like, what I'm saying. That the carry the title feels like promo based as well. I think it's just delivering, and I think Rio delivered in a big way. So, do you think that there's a chance Rio could win this match? I don't. No, okay. I, I, I do not. I don't think it's time yet. I think I still think Thunder Rosa is the destination for the title switch. Okay. Okay. I don't. What do you think, Jenny? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And Jenny's a Riho fan, but she's saying now. I th- I think you're right, Andy. Though Thunder Rosa is um. They've been putting her out there and I think she makes sense. I just uh I just also like I like Riho, but Britt seems like she's having a great moment with the title right now and it it just seems weird to take it away from her at this point. So from there though, with that all that being said, we get a notification that the Owen Hart Championship Tournament for both men and women, like two separate tournaments, uh, is going to happen soon. I don't think they give us any details other than it's coming up. Um, it's a very cool uh, 
video though lots of lots of footage i'd never seen before because they had to get creative because they couldn't use any wwe footage which of course is where the majority of his career was spent but uh got a lot of like i feel like we got some new japan footage and uh also a lot of just like kind of like home movies and things like that yeah the home movie inclusion really kind of surprised me because it was like it I don't want this to sound weird, but like it humanized him in a way, you know, like because wrestling is such a insular world of like kayfabe and you got to protect the business. It was like, oh, this person was a real person. Like, you know, he had a life outside of this. That's why old school BTE was so good. And then it just became all kayfabe. Megan, you should really watch the uh, the Owen Hart episode of Dark Side of the Ring before um, I would say before the tournament is over. Uh, Just. Because it'll destroy you, but it'll oh. it'll be, but it's you know, it's that's, pretty excellent. Okay, I, I that's why I've been holding off on it is because like obviously I know what happened to him, and I'm just emotionally not wasn't sure if I was ready to enter into that series of events. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll watch it because it was really nice to hear like like they had a mixture of um you know people who were around. I, not when Owen was around, but we're closer, you know, like Mark Henry and Dustin Rhodes were talking about how Owen changed the business. And and then you had like younger people like Adam Cole and Matt, not Matt Hardy, um, but Adam Cole 2.0, uh, Eddie Kingston and Sean Spears were like talking about how Owen influenced them. It was just like all around like a really sweet and nice video <laughs> package uh, of people just extolling the virtues of owen hart yeah i was i was really hoping for kevin steen to sign here and then win the owen hart cup that would have been so nice yeah i think that would have been i think that would have been a lot to him honestly i wonder if that even entered into the talks or if there were talks i obviously don't know because he signed with wwe so quickly but like I, I wonder how much that would have affected his choice in the long run. Yeah, I don't know, but I just, you know, I mean, he 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 named his his WWE name as a tribute to Owen Hart. He named his son after Owen Hart. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Either way, I'm excited. I, I I'm looking forward to the uh, to I you know I like tournaments, so I'm, I'm into it. And we Me do too. know we do know that the finals for each will be at. Uh, Double or nothing. And do we know that the women's tournament that's still going on currently will finish before the next women's tournament? Uh, I imagine it will. Uh, I believe. So we had one semifinal tonight, which we're going to get to here pretty shortly. And Mm -hmm. I believe the other semifinal is scheduled for next Wednesday. And I got to believe that as it is the TBS championship, that the finals will be on that January 5th Dynamite on TBS. Yeah, I think they they stretched it out to the point they needed to get to, <laughs> and we've got to. Why would they move the finals beyond the TBS debut? Get that I'm champion on, out there. I'm honestly impressed. Like I know that we've like dunked on it a little bit, how like how just like weird and stretched out it's been, but I've enjoyed it. I've I've liked the longer play out of the tournament, and uh, I think that they could have promoted it a bit more because I keep forgetting that the tournament is still going on because okay. they don't have a tournament match each week to be f- to be to be perfectly fair 
because of because of your work schedule, you did not watch an episode of Dynamite in November. Yes, but I've watched all of the December. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I'm just saying, like, like there were, like, I feel like there's always at least a promo segment about an upcoming match. Well, just a promo segment. Like, there should be, there should have been a match each. But week. if they did a match each week, then they would have gotten through it too fast. Well, I guess that's true. that's the thing. But they they wouldn't have needed four by. They could have done a match each week if they hadn't have done those four buys. Mm. I mean, I agree. I think they should have just highlighted four additional people, even if they clearly weren't going to win. Just get other people in the ring. But whatever. Put Sky Blue in there. She cut a promo about wanting to win it. <laughs> she did, and then she just disappeared. Yeah. Jade Cargill destroyed her in a non-tournament match, and she left. She's too busy um, dating Dante Martin. Oh, it's true. Those two young kids. See, that's the kind of beautiful relationship gossip I want to hear. Yeah. I just can't go to Sammy's blog because it's like one more time commitment. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I learned that from Ethan Page's vlog. Oh, I thought it was Sammy's, but it was Ethan's. Oh, that, okay. was, it was, that was from the Toy Hunter vlog, which is my favorite vlog. I want to talk briefly about Ethan Page's Toy Hunter vlog. So... Ethan Page has a regular vlog. It's like it's called the backstage vlog every week. And it's just like backstage at Dynamite. It's fun. He, he's, like he talks to a bunch of different people. Uh, he also has a weekly Toy Hunter vlog where he and a few other people, and it's it's usually a rotating cast of uh, AEW personalities, will go to whatever like the, the coolest toy store in whatever town Dynamite was in that week. And they go... And they they like kind of like they they highlight the toy store. They look they they show all the stuff in it. And I'm sure that the toy stores fucking love this for publicity. But oh um, yeah. But and then they like you know they buy stuff. And at the end of the, the show, they they all tally up. They say like, all right, let's show everybody what, what we all bought. And I just love it so much. It's so it makes me so nostalgic because all these toy stores are they're selling new stuff, but they're also like big in like vintage stuff. So I'm seeing I'm seeing toys that I that I used to own. <laughs> I am seeing toys that I didn't own, but I wanted and <laughs> were like too expensive. <laughs> and I'm seeing toys like new stuff that's just like, holy shit, look at that. That looks really cool. So I'm, it's, it's fun, like kind of living vicariously um, because Columbus, unfortunately, doesn't really have like a really cool big toy store. Like there is there is a um, there's a branch of big fun that is in Columbus um, uh, in the short North, the short North. Yeah. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's because it's in the short North. It's like a pretty small space. Like it's nothing mm -hmm. like the Cleveland one, which we went to when you visited, when I lived there. Yes. And that store is really cool and enormous. It is. I, yeah. I was frankly surprised at the variety of stuff they had there. Having never been to one of those franchises. Yeah, and I think I told you the other day when I was, because I think I was telling you about this, and we and we were texting a little bit about it, and I I really want, like, I, I've never, like, as an adult, I've never really been a toy guy, aside from, like, I like I think Funkos are cool, mm -hmm. but I want, like, one cool, like, really cool, like, Batman piece to display somewhere. I support it. Oh, Jenny nodded, okay. <laughs> she knows you have, like, that windowsill in your... You can put you know. that on your desk. She's like, don't put it on the mantle, but you know, you have your space. Yeah. Anyway, that's the uh, that's my uh, Ethan Page's toy vlog uh, uh, ramble. Sorry. I like it. Like Chateau Diaries is going really well. Yeah. Yeah. Just Everybody has vlogs they watch. <laughs> Everyone should check out the Chateau Diaries. Love it. 
it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, with those recommendations out there, <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to the dynamite. And uh, as Andy mentioned, we are getting into the semifinal, the first semifinal match of the TBS Championship Tournament with Nyla Rose against Ruby Soho. Now, Ruby's jacket was quite an obstacle in the beginning of this match, but um, <laughs> they recovered. Uh, it's just kind yeah, what of what the a, fuck was that? What was that? Was that planned? Was that just... no? It, I mean, I think that like the problem was. I'm assuming it was planned that Nyla started attacking her before she got her jacket off, but then I it looked like there was some chain issue that was like keeping I don't I don't know what was caught, but when ultimately they managed to pull it off of her like wrist, some like chain accoutrement fell out also. Um it just it was a struggle. It reminded <laughs> me of when Mike Tyson couldn't rip his t shirt off. Oh gosh, <laughs> yes. Like- Adam Page couldn't get the um, the Ghostbuster blow up thing. Off oh his right, feet. <laughs> <laughs> and he just rolled with it. I, I, you know what? Honestly, I thought they handled it as best they could. Nyla Rose even screamed at her like, "What's with your stupid jacket?" <laughs> so like they rolled with it, but this was like a very classic David and Goliath match uh, with one opponent that's smaller in stature than the other. Um, like, Ruby spent a lot of time trying to overpower Nyla, but she got clobbered and tossed around very easily, you know, because she's shorter and smaller. Um, Vicky Guerrero was there to help Nyla by distracting the ref a couple times, but then finally Ruby was like, forget this, and she kicked her in the face, which I thought was like, hey, good for you for, like, taking care of that business. Um Shortly after that, she got the win by doing the um, the no future, but this version of it, she like Nyla was up on the top turnbuckle, so she did it by pulling her off and then and then kicking her in the face. Um, you know what's cool about um, moves that are done from the top rope or like with a top rope component, Megan? What is it? Do tell. And I don't think you know this. I don't. <laughs> but I should have told you this a long time ago because it's so fucking cool. It's they can you can just add a quick modifier and call anything an avalanche what that is. Oh, it's automatically an avalanche because it's from the top rope. That's right. That, that is cool. I do like that. Yeah. The word avalanche is awesome. Yeah. I like it. It's, so this was an avalanche, no future. Yes. Excellent. Huh. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like this match. I feel like the women's matches in this tournament, um, the crowd goes silent for them until the end when, like, they've apparently earned the cheering. But I thought that, like, people need to fucking get with it and support these ladies. Yeah, I thought this one was good, too. Yeah, Yeah. I liked it. I, like, I, I continue to be... I continue to be impressed with the strides that Nyla Rose has made in two years. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that stint over in Japan really helped her. (laughs) You always bring that up. (laughs) It's true, though. (laughs) I honestly, uh, two years ago, Nyla Rose could not fit into this role in this tournament if she, you know, was two years ago Nyla Rose. So I think, I hope that they're, like, showing her that they're rewarding her 
growth and improvement by doing this because she definitely she's definitely different. She's definitely come along. Yeah. Well, maybe you remember she had that great run in the um in that US versus Japan tournament earlier this year too. Yeah, yeah, she did really well there. I I, th- I think we kept picking against her, like picking against her over and over again because because she had been kind of like um, she disappeared. Yeah, yeah, and we just thought like, okay, well, like she's they're done pushing her, but like actually that was they used that tournament to like kind of heat her up again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think after that tournament is when she got with Vicky, right? No, she was already with Vicky. She was. Okay. I also just think she's improved wrestling wise, and as we kind of brought up last week she's legitimately funny if if they just give her more uh promo time i think she could round out her character and and be like a legitimate person to watch it's just you know it feels like they they still kind of reserve her for when they need the monster character to come in and do something um she hasn't gotten like a like a top tier arc story arc recently no, but like I mean, none of the women have. It's true. <laughs> um, even Brit hasn't really had an arc. She's just like she comes out and like spouts. mean girl heel champion, you know? Yeah, I guess, I guess. But Nyla, I do think Nyla has the comedy chops to to realize that that she has to once a year come up with a scenario where she can say surprise, bitch. Hell yeah. <laughs> Like, can you imagine if that like happens for like like what if that if she if she's able to pull it off and get like five years out of that where <laughs> that would be amazing. Hey, that's a decent catchphrase. Surprise, bitch! <laughs> Kick somebody in the face. I, I think that works. Yeah. No, I like this match though. You're right, Megan. And I, you know what? Though, like, we all picked Ruby Soho to win this tournament, mm-hmm. and the the like as we're getting down to it. I'm real like I could I could see it, but I'm actually starting to feel like Jay Cargill's gonna win. Uh oh. Yeah. I mean, oh, you I um, they're pushing her so much, and I feel like Ruby's still real hot, but like I feel like they're pushing Jade. Yeah, that's the, I, that's the feeling I get. I think she she could get major heat as a heel if she defeats crowd favorite Ruby Soho. Also. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. So this is for this is for the other title. The only the only thing that's keeping me still like thinking like Ruby has a good shot is that if they do this, then both women's champions are heels. Yeah. And do also we have two titles, we'll get two women's matches on a dynamite. I don't know. That'd be nice. Um, now there's always, there is always a women's match on Rampage, which um, makes it a greater percentage of the overall right. show because it's half the length. <laughs> True. It's a third of mm-hmm. the matches versus a sixth or a seventh of the matches. Oh, my God. We don't usually talk about, like, uh, the upcoming lineups anymore, but I will say that uh, legit Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander is happening oh. on Christmas night on Rampage, and that sounds fucking awesome. I was excited to see that. Yeah. Where has Layla Hirsch been? Maybe she's been over fighting NWA people. <laughs> that was the last I heard. I think that was only, I think that was like a one and done. Damn. She's great. Love her. Yeah, she is. 
Uh, now, Andy, you didn't mention this during the news, so I'm I'm going to ask you if you've heard anything on, you know, the Meltzerverse. Ruby Soho, <laughs> they they did play up the fact that she, like, uh, had injured her shoulder and had surgery on it previously, and, and she took a move during this match where, like, you know, that would, it would be bad for that. But then after the match, they seemed like they were still playing it up, um, and I was wondering, was that, kayfabe or do have you heard if she's actually like agitated that shoulder because it seemed like also doctors came out but after i haven't heard if that's real so i I would assume that it's just like to play like to play that up and like maybe give her like a point of vulnerability going into the finals okay okay good to know i i only asked because after the match, the doctors came out, and I was like, uh-oh, does that mean it's real, or is this more show? Yeah. Okay. Well, from there, we have a, we continue the ladies' storylines. We get a video package from Serena Deeb um, showing highlights from her match with Hikaru Shida, but also, like, talking head segments where Serena's pissed. Um, she's mad she lost against Sheeta. She claims Sheeta cheated, but I'm pretty sure last week Sheeta got a clean win. Um, Sheeta did not cheat. (laughs) Yeah, Serena didn't, like, expound on how Sheeta cheated, but she did say that she will not let this go until she, like, she, Serena, decisively beats Sheeta in the ring. So she was coming for her, and I... I was like, okay, it's cool to see fired up. But again, I don't really understand how Shido cheated. Seems like it was a decisive win last week. I'm with you. <laughs> well, Serena's pissed. I mean, she yes. looks like she, she's P.S. She looks like such a nice lady, but then she gets all fired up and is like kind of scary. So, you know, watch out. Yeah. Her arms are toned as hell. I'd be afraid. Yeah. Be afraid. What can they do? I mean, I wonder. I wonder what they're gonna do for because it seems like they're building to like one last big blow off match. So I wonder. I wonder if there'll be like a stipulation or something. Yeah, I don't know because the match they had where Sheeta cleanly won, I thought that was their rubber match, which isn't that generally the one where it's it's like, look, we've had three, we settled this thing. Yeah, but I mean. <laughs> I don't like they could do like they could do something like a like an ODQ match or something, you know, or, or like a lights out match or something like that. I'd be cool with it. I like their feud. I think they're both talented and I like seeing them. So I'm not going to be upset if they continue to fight. I just, you know. Uh, yes, very much so. Wonder where it's going, but OK. We'll leave that for now, though. Um, we have to go back to the ring where. Malachi Black is going to face off against Griff Garrison. Oh, Griff. Um, okay, Griff Gar- okay. Before, <laughs> before we get into the the destruction of uh, Griff Garrison, I, I do want to say something. Spoiler. That I, that I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was really in doubt. Um, there is something I want to say about how much, like, one of the things I really love about AEW, especially since they've been back on the road, is how much they tailor or they try to tailor each week to the city they're in. Like, like this week, for instance, we got like Griff Garrison got this big, 
like showcase match and yeah it didn't go his way but he got to like he got to come out in like his varsity high school jacket because he's like because he's like a local kid mm-hmm. and also you got like ftr working the main event you got sting in the main event and with the, like the whole key being that like this was like a big city for him and he hasn't wrestled here since 1994 so i i just i really like that how much they like make it feel like it's not like just every week is the exact same place. Like, like that, that's, that's see, that's so like modern WWE to me where it's like, okay, we're in this city's basket, like NBA arena. And it's just, this is the city we're in, but like the arena looks the same. We're not really going to make an effort to, to like, to like let you know where we are. It doesn't really matter because we're just telling you the stories that are, that, that, that we're telling. And I, I feel like Tony Khan really tries to make every week feel very distinct based on where they are. Yeah, I mean, he even works it into the ongoing stories because, like, with Daniel Bryan and the, the Dark Order, he was working through to get to Adam. Like Exactly, yeah. He explicitly called it out. Every single hometown of the people that he was going to fight, he was like, well, I want to find the Dark Order member from here. And it was like, you know... It's so easy. It's just like it's these little hooks that you can have based just based on where you've scheduled your shows. And it's like it just make it, it's easy to tell stories that way. It's easy to get crowds invested that way. And it's another thing where it seems like WWE is so like stuck in their ways that they're that they'd rather like push a, a boulder uphill than just say like, oh, look, look where we are. Look what we've been gifted. This wrestler is from here. Let's put them in a position to shine. I mean, with WWE, it seems almost like they're just actively, uh, they have an, like, an adversarial relationship with their fans instead oh, of... Sure, sure as fuck do. Instead of just, like, embracing how nice and easy it would be to just, like, work with them and, and the easy pops even, it's just like, no, let's just fight against them at every step. And, um, you know, that's just them being them. So... The the fact it it I guess what I'm saying is it's so funny that it's such a low bar that Tony Khan is just like, hey, I'm gonna acknowledge the place we're in and and put some matches on the show that speak to that, you know, like the show's not built around the fact that they're in North Carolina, but you know, there's nods to it. I mean, I guess the main event is very North Carolina centric, but it's not like he changed the the running storyline to get there. It's like like you're right, just I don't know, embrace your fans. <laughs> you don't have to do yeah, totally. what they chant, but you could acknowledge that they're kind of a big part of your business. Unless you're in Pittsburgh and never give those fans what they want because of the buzzer incident. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's obnoxious, but I do think it's funny. <laughs> My favorite thing about last week's show was Justin coming to the realization about how many Iron Man matches he had attended. Like, <laughs> oh God, I've been to so many. You know, until you sit down and think about it, you, you can't really realize how much of an Iron Man match person you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Well... Um, we just extolled the virtues of Tony Khan, uh, acknowledging what cities he's in. Uh, but I will say this match, Griff Garrison, um, 
hometown hero or not, you you were you were not gonna win. Um, like a lamb to slaughter, Griff Garrison enters this match hype as hell to defend his uh, his lady friend Julia Hart. He makes the mistake of literally like as his first move running at Malachi Black and Griff Griff Sir. This is not the way, this is not how you do it. Um, he gets kicked right in the face, and that sets the tone for the rest of this relatively quick match, which consists of Malachi kicking Griff in a variety of ways before finally deciding to put him in a leg lock and tapping him out. And I say that because he could have ended this match uh, at many points before he got to this one, and I think this was just him being like, I'm done playing with my food. Um, time to end this. This match was fucking sensational. (laughs) It was... So this... There are a few things in wrestling that I love more than a... than a squash match that has a couple of really, really good underdog babyface spots. Like, like... I love a good squash match that's just like 100 to zero. Like, like that's fine. Like Wardlow. (laughs) Yeah, like Wardlow. Um, But... Like, give me give me a good 80-20 squash every once in a while, and I'll be really happy. And that's what I think that's what we had here, because because Malachi dominated because he's clearly the better man. But Griff Garrison had a couple of like he, he had a couple of really, really awesome spots. Like he did this completely out of control uh, dive over the top ropes where he just I mean, he, he he's he's obviously a great athlete. And then there was this other spot where he came out of the corner and hit Malachi with a spinning forearm smash that sounded and looked unbelievable. And of course it was, you know, it was, it was quickly thereafter he got, he got taken care of, but I thought, I I just thought that this was so good. And he, and, and you could watch Griff Garrison and say like, this guy's going to be something, you know, like, like he's, he's really got something. He's got some fire to him and Malachi sold for him in just the right way. And uh, and this this was fantastic. I absolutely love this match. Me too. And I just assumed it's because I'm biased towards loving Malachi Black. <laughs> but I thought it was it was great. Griff Garrison, um, like you said, that dive to the outside. I was like, holy! Like he almost overshot Malachi, and Malachi's yeah. pretty tall. So like Griff Garrison got some air there. Um, and then I also just liked. Um, that Brian Pillman Jr., you know, he tried. He was there oh. to help, but he just, he couldn't. And um, I don't know. I just like the dynamic of Malachi being, like, uh, unthreatened by by Griff and his little friends, you know? I don't know. It, it was fun. But Brian Pillman Jr. is now in the pantheon of, like, greatest uh, black mass takers of all time. Oh, that looked great. Yes. after <laughs> After the match ended... Brian Pillman Jr. tried to, he jumped in the ring to try to, like, help avenge his friend. And, man, Malachi Black's Black Mass always looks just fucking beautiful. But Pillman took it like a champ. It was great. It was great. Yeah. Uh, um, I will say the cameraman missed an opportunity because at, near the end for poor Griff, um, Malachi did that thing where in NXT as Alistair Black, he would lift the opponent's face from the mat with his foot, like, and the cameraman, 
like he started to do it and the cameraman's like now's the time to focus only on his face and it's like you're you're missing the move you're missing the move here where he yeah eh, annoyed me um but yeah i'm excited i love malachi black i love his drama we know this i just i feel like moxie's gone so i need to unleash my like weird obsessive love on someone else and malachi black you are getting it until moxie gets back so that's where we're at after this match we get a segment where matt hardy and private party are standing together and matt hardy's like jurassic express they may be the number one contenders right now but for my holiday gift, I want Private Party to be in that spot. And so to that end, Matt has arranged for a match between Isaiah Cassidy and Jungle Boy one-on-one on Rampage. And it seems like the understanding, based on what Isaiah says, is that all he needs to do to move Private Party up in the rankings is to injure Jungle Boy enough that he won't be able to wrestle, thereby taking jurassic express out of the rankings and getting private party that spot so that's um a fun way to look at it uh okay so 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 not even not even win the match necessarily and not even not even win a tag team match nope (laughs) okay you just you just disqualify an opponent by making it so they can't do their thing so that's the plan then we cut to jungle boy and also, well, I, hold on. I just want to say it was good oh. to see Mark Quinn. We haven't seen Mark Quinn in a really long time. Yes, it's true. He has, he has not. He must have been injured. He has not wrestled since uh, October sixth. I. So has Isaiah wrestled between then? Because I. Yeah, I, Isaiah's, they've done some weird, like like on Dark, they've done some interesting pairings, like Isaiah Cassidy and the Blade as a tag team, and things. Like, you know, just just mix and match Hardy Family Office people. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I don't think I've seen Isaiah on Dynamite in a while either. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah I hope Mark Quinn's okay. Um, even though it seems like he's sitting out another week because of this individual match. But uh, we we cut to Jungle Boy, who is standing with Christian and Luchasaurus. And he's completely unconcerned about this match. He's He'll beat the shit out of Isaiah and then move on with his holiday celebrations. No worries. Um, Christian steps up before this segment is over and he recommends that Matt pick up his own limited edition Jurassic Express and Christian holiday t-shirt if he's looking for gifts that are actually attainable this holiday season and then he shows off this shirt which is (laughs) actually pretty precious it's like Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus standing like around a chair that Christian's sitting in and like in front of a fireplace and I don't know I know we talked about it, like, maybe not in the last week, but maybe two weeks ago. But I'm starting to get worried about this uh, Marco Stunt erasure that's going on. Is there any news on where young Marco Stunt is? Is he alive? Where is um, he? He is alive. He went and auditioned for The Voice a couple weeks ago. I know that. And he got a callback. I don't know how that callback went. but <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I know about what's going on with Marco. Well, that concerns me. I mean, that along with the fact that Marco was one of the the first round of signings. So I'm wondering if Marco is starting to look for his other options 
as contracts start to come up. Yeah. Well, Margo Watch 2022, that'll be a thing. Uh, For now, though, let's get to the match you've been waiting to talk about. And hey, I'm pretty excited to talk about it, too. It's MJF and FTR against Sting, Darby Allin, and CM Punk. Now, on the way out, we get just... Okay, first of all, MJF and FTR come out, and they are they're wearing coordinated outfits. MJF has uh, his... Like, FTR's got the yellow trunks with the, like, rainbow FTR 80s writing. MJF comes out, and he has the same with MJF on his trunks. So, they've coordinated. But... They are one-upped by the fact that Sting comes out. They're, let's be fair. They're like 10-upped. They are. They are. They are way, way surpassed by the unity shown by Sting, uh, Darby, and CM Punk. Sting comes out first. He is decked out in full-on CM Punk t-shirt. And then his Sting face paint is um, CM Punkified. It's It's like... Red it's and kind of like the CM Punk like crossed arms thing. Yes, that's on his forehead, but then like down his like under his eyes, it's almost like extended lightning bolts, like big thick ones. Um yeah. and it's Chicago's like colors, and he has the CM Punk t-shirt on. Um so he comes out first with that, and then Darby follows him with just like a pink motif, but he's got sting style half face paint right but it yes it, it's pink and sting and, and it was like st- pink was a big uh like 80s sting color oh i thought it was for owen hart but okay that makes sense um because yeah and he also like tinted his hair pink and just like so so sting is giving homage to punk darby is giving homage to sting punk comes out and it is that it, he has face paint on. It is in the Chicago color theme. But like, is that a sting? It is. Paint? It is. I believe, and I could be wrong here, so don't quote me on this. But I believe this is the pretty much the same face paint that Sting wore uh, when he wrestled Ric Flair in Greensboro at Clash of the Champions one in 1988, which was the match that like kind of made Sting a like a a main event player for the rest of his career. Okay. That's, um, that's a deep cut, but I would believe that punk knows that. So, and okay. that, like, like any, any older fans who are in the building would probably really appreciate it. Yeah. I, wow. Okay. That's intense. Um, so in addition to that though, he also had like, uh, scorpions on his tights. Yes, he did. So, so it was like, Man. This was so exciting. You, yeah, believe it or not, our good friend Jason Spencer was was very, very excited by all this. Oh, I'm so surprised. <laughs> so surprised that he would be excited about any sort of Sting-related thing. Um, but yeah, so uh, we'll get into the details. But basically, like it, my summary of this is that this is the type of six-man match I really enjoy in the sense that like, there's a lot going on, but at the same time, like it's never, it never got too chaotic that I didn't 
really know what was happening or got so like, oh, God, like I got to check out because this is it's too much. Um, there was blatant fan service, which I'm here for. Never mm-hmm. above that. Um, <laughs> I love the team unity that we talked about with the face paint. Um, I like that they keep t- like MJF and Punk from ever touching in this whole 20 something minute match. I, I couldn't believe like like because I was thinking at some point after the match had been announced, I was like, oh, man, are they going to like really are they going to like do spots with each other? Because you don't want to like spoil that for their singles match. And they somehow they got through a 26 minute match without ever touching. Yes. Yes. It's and pretty impressive. <laughs> yes. And the, the only other thing before we get to the details of how they did that is um, I thought Sting for as old as he is, holy shit, that man oh jumped off of a top God. turnbuckle to the outside, and I legitimately thought he was going to die, but he he did great. He yeah, he looked unbelievable. Um, Jenny even paid like Jenny, who is uh, of course gone now, but uh, she it's bedtime. <laughs> yeah, uh, but she even paid him compliments during the match last night, and she's not a not a noted Sting fan. Um. You know, I I think it was there were a lot of things in play. I think I think his teammates, obviously, uh, in kayfabe and in real life, wanted to set him up for success. Um, I think that FTR was really, really game to make Sting look as good as possible. Oh, my Um, God. They must have been so based on what they have said in the past. Like, they must have just been like, oh, my God, we get to wrestle Sting. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, he was like Greensboro was a big city for him and his career. And I'm sure that he wanted to like really put on a show. So all those things coming together, it was, I mean, I think it was definitely his best performance in AEW so far, um, of the, he's only, he's only done six matches, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's just been, I, I can't get over like what an utter success the, the, the first year of sting has been in AEW. Yeah, they they've, they've used him so smartly. They truly have have utilized him in a way that I honestly was worried when they brought out Sting the first time because I'm like, oh no, another legacy person I have to pretend <laughs> I care about. <laughs> Get this old like, guy out of here. <laughs> I'm just I I was jaded by how WWE handles old people, which is to say they shove them into matches and they make them do work. Um, but Sting, I. I feel like he's been used the correct amount. Like I don't mind seeing him as Darby's best friend and, and goth face paint dad. Um, and in the matches he's wrestled, they protect him in a way of like, obviously he's not going to be the one carrying the match. Um, but I was, I was typed for him in this match. I, I was impressed Thought he was a lot of fun to watch, and I did not expect that. I honestly thought he would just be like relegated to the sidelines until maybe the end sequence where he would get to do some of his moves really quickly and then end it or tag somebody else in. But he he was there the whole time. God, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. Like if he, like I don't think he will, but I would not be shocked if he just decided like, okay, that was it. Like I mean. <laughs> What like what can I possibly do to top this night in this city with this crowd? Like you know, 
like for a guy, I don't know. Like he's, he's incredible. Like he's 62 years old for God's sake. You know, it's like, yeah. it shouldn't even be possible what he's doing. Again, I say when he climbed into that top turnbuckle and, yeah. and there were a couple times where his one foot missed. Yeah. And I was like, Oh God, he's going to die. But then something clicked in his brain and he just, he did it. I mean, and that was especially scary because that happened like right after MJF like looked like he nearly died from the way he landed because um, Sting tossed him out of the ring and like he just he basically like landed vertically <laughs> like on oh his my God. like looked like he landed his head. He must, yeah, I guess he's OK because he, he got up, to, you know, to to take the the, the Sting crossbody with FDR. But uh, this match was crazy. It was so it was so much fun. Yeah. And when MJF did that, the way that uh, FTR hair cash wheeler if you will skittered over to him to like get in his face it reminded me so much of how hobbs like when poor sidell had his oh yeah disastrous debut side like hobbs was like right there to make sure he didn't die um i was just like oh god okay um but yeah mjf sir um so this match was cuckoo bananas i will say uh I think, uh, as I mentioned, MJF and Punk never touch. Punk tries his hardest, his damnedest, to get in the match with MJF. Uh, Darby tags him in, Sting tags him in whenever MJF's in to try and help him. And in perhaps the most impressive feat of athleticism of the entire night, MJF literally runs up into the stands, up like multiple flights of stairs. (laughs) around the concourse he like disappears into where i assume there's snacks and stuff and he comes back in a different section running down the stairs punk is behind him the whole time chasing him and i was just like what i would have keeled over halfway up the first flight of stairs but these two men did this lap and then they continued to wrestle so i was like respect um if everyone if anybody says punk is uh not got his cardio in check I think the man proved him wrong right there. Good Lord. The best thing about that too, was at the end of it, um, you know, punk punk was like almost caught up to MJF, but then he was able to like hide behind FTR. Yep. And at the ringside. And then of course, like then there's this just like amazing camera shot following as Darby gets ahead of steam in the ring and splatters all three of them with his like insane bullet tope. Oh Oh my my God. God. Oh, I, I want to go rewatch this match right now. <laughs> it was great. I honestly thought he smacked his head against one of them because I'm like, you're going too fast. Yeah. Uh, but everybody seemed to recover okay. God. This match. Oh, my God. It was great. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Unbelievable. Um, I guess just to talk about the finish, uh, it, the finish was really cool. Like, uh, they, they did a thing where it was um, uh, FTR bald uh took a Dax uh took Harwood, a, if you will yeah so like punk was about to set up mjf for the go to sleep but ftr bald dax harwood uh ran into the ring and shoved max out of the way <laughs> so basically like i believe uh i believe excalibur literally said he took the bullet yeah. as, and so and so punk was like whatever i ain't picky and he uh <laughs> he uh hoisted dax up hit him with a go to sleep uh, Dax stumbles backwards into Sting, who hooks him and hits the Scorpion Death Drop, 
And then I'm just thinking like, okay. He's so far away. He's so far away. And Darby's like, whatever. And, and <laughs> he, like, he did not hit him like all body to body, but he definitely, he did, he did like make contact with the coffin drop from like three quarters of the way across the ring. And, uh, and then, and that was it. And uh, baby faces won. baby faces were triumphant. MJF went to the commentary table and, and complained about how punk ran away from him all night. <laughs> He's a punk. He's a punk. And it ain't just because of his name. And then he <laughs> left. <laughs> oh, my God. What a match. So good. Oh. So good. Yeah. Holiday Bash, night one. A success, if you will. Absolutely. Man. What's next week? What do we got next week? We got some we got some cool matches next week. Um we got uh best friends and Orange against Cole Fish and O'Reilly. Yep. For Kyle's uh, in-ring debut. Whatever they decide to call this trio. <laughs> yeah. We got uh, Statlander. No, not Statlander. I'm sorry. That's on uh, Rampage. We've got uh, Jade Cargill versus Thunder Rosa. Yep. In the in the uh, TNT tournament. And I'm trying to think. They, I'm sure they announced something else, but I can't remember. Maybe they'll announce more on uh, on Rampage. I feel like. There were a decent number of Rampage announcements tonight, but I don't remember. Oh, oh, you know what else it is? It's um Eddie Kingston and Santana and Ortiz are wrestling 2.0 and Daniel Garcia on, on Dynamite also. Oh, okay, yes. That makes sense. Yeah. But on, on Rampage on Christmas night, uh so of course, you know, after you've you know had all your fun family time, what what better than to sit down and watch some wrestling? Close and out the evening. Jo- yeah, I'm not even joking. Like it's actually like I think that's a decent like I think that's a way better night th- for them than Christmas Eve. Is it eight or ten PM? I forget. It's nine. Oh, cut split the difference, okay. Yeah. So yeah, strangely enough it's nine. But so that's got that's got Statlander versus Hirsch. Mm-hmm. And Hook versus one of the bear countries. <laughs> Black hair instead of auburn hair. Is that Bronson? I don't know. The bear country to me is FTR to you. I don't, I cannot formulate their names based on if I see. We got, I <laughs> we got Sammy and Cody though for the TNT that's right. championship. Okay, yeah, that's, that is, that is the big match. Yeah. So, um. So that'll be interesting. I don't. I just the the thing about it is, I would be more excited for that match if it was a live rampage because I just don't believe they would t- change the title oh. on a tape show. Oh, I don't think I keep track of that. So to me, it's all kind of like in the moment. <laughs> I'm the worst like wrestling watcher. I don't. I don't know when things are taped or live. Um. I think I just always assume they're live, but you don't think they'll switch it early because of the Twitter? I don't think so. I feel like it's one of those things where I would have, even though I tried to avoid Rampage spoilers, I would have heard about. Oh, yeah, because they would have done it. Wait, what? right? They would have filmed Saturday's Rampage Wednesday night. Yeah, 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 it's it's already been taped. So theoretically, you could find out who won the title. Yes, and I'm assuming could, it's Sammy. Don't look it very, up. 
I could, yeah, I could very easily go like get the result of that match. Mm. Okay. Uh, Jungle Boy versus Isaiah Cassidy. That's the fourth match on Rampage this week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jungle Boy is unconcerned. He's going to have his his holiday celebration before and after he defeats Isaiah. That's what he yes. said. Yes. Yes. So anyway. So yeah, I just what a I loved this. I loved the show. I thought this was a great episode of Dynamite. Um. It's funny, like Kyle O'Reilly's debut felt like a really big deal at the beginning, and then it got totally overwhelmed by this main event. But it's—I still feel like it's a big deal, and I'm glad he's here. Yeah, and also like he's not going to get lost in the shuffle because he's joining what is basically like the group that is the focal point of most shows. <laughs> like, he's yeah, can be fine. Yeah. And he's got—he's got a lot more charisma than Bobby Fish, so I think he'll—I think he'll be okay. Oh, I like Bobby Fish. I know, but I don't I think know he's why. Gonna, I think he's going to do a lot better with his buddy there, though. Yeah, yeah. I think Bobby Fish. I think what it, what makes me sad is like, uh, based on podcasts and like the latest episode of BT. I think Bobby Fish has like some humor in him, and they just they don't necessarily need or let him do that on the the main shows. There's there's something about Bobby Fish that I find endearing. And it doesn't come across on dynamite television. <laughs> I yeah, I think that's right. Oh, the other thing is that uh, next week on Dynamite we get the return of good old Jr. Uh, because we're going to be in Daly's place for the uh, end of year show, and he will actually be doing his final radiation treatment that morning. Oh, Jr. Oh, I don't want you to push yeah. yourself. <laughs> that's. That's a lot, but I, I hope he, that the fact that he's on schedule means that it's all going well and 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 things are working as they should. So, again, best wishes to, to JR. I know we give him some shit around here, but I truly would never want anything bad <laughs> to happen to him, and I hope he's recovering nicely. I, I also hope that he's, uh, I, I guess, gauged how his treatments uh, make him feel and is ready to go after his last one for the show. Cause that's, I mean, commendable to, to decide to, to work after your last treatment, chemo treatment. Yeah. I could see them doing a thing where maybe they just like bring him out for the main event and like they do a big entrance where he gets his music and everything. And you just, you just have him come call the main event and then, you know, let him go home and sleep. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Because you know, because he, you know, he lives. He has a house in uh, Jacksonville now. So, um, oh, okay, good. So that's that's where he that's where he lives, and he's getting his treatments. Um, so I think that's the I think that's the only reason he's able to do this next week. Um, I could see a, I could see a situation where he comes back and calls the show, or or like I said, one match, and then and then still takes a few more weeks off afterwards. Because when they when they as they go back on the road. Okay, that makes more sense. Cause yeah, that it seems like just adding travel into all of that it would be hard. But I, you know, I don't know. Some some people are more resilient and and ready to go. Others yeah. want time to rest. Uh, I don't know what Jr. is, but I'm glad he has a house in Jacksonville and can just be like, okay, I'm going home now. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm gonna go oh, lay yeah. down. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think we were pretty effusive with our praise for the show this week. So, uh, uh, you know, hopefully we can keep that up. I, 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 I hope they do because, you know, like it's, it's good to have good cheer and uh, holiday spirit here as we 
as we end the year. And uh, I have no reason to think that next year's uh, New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's themed show will be will be any worse. It's a New Year's bash. They have they have a lot of bashes apparently, or New Year's smash. Is it? I think it's New. I think it's New Year's smash. Yeah, that's what it was last year at least. So that okay. makes sense. Holiday bash, New Year's smash. I got it. Yeah. So uh, we will be back next week because we don't take weeks off. And uh, for Jenny and for Megan, I'm Andy. And thank you so much for listening to the Elite Beat. E, Elite B, E, E, Elite Beat. <laughs>